Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It is 9.03 here on SENZ on this uh, Friday morning. Uh, we have uh, a busy show as uh, we go through with uh, Craig Cumming coming up uh, very shortly uh, to talk about uh, the Test match starting today. Of course, uh, also domestically, a big weekend for his team, the Otago Sparks, and the Halliburton Johnston Shield and the Ford Trophy. So uh, Sid will be all over that. Uh, Hugh Bainan, uh, the NBL general manager, a lot of basketball issues to talk about. Uh, Ollie Ritchie and Sam Ackerman will be uh, our panel this morning. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll be talking to Grant Fox, uh, All Blacks legend, of course, um, and uh, really a teammate of, of Vainga Tui Gamala uh, on such a, a sad day. So we'll have uh, Foxy's thoughts there uh, on that and perhaps uh, on the early stages of Super Rugby as well. Uh, Ron O'Regan, uh, just after 11 o'clock. Ron O'Regan is a name synonymous with rugby league in this country, but also with greyhound racing. So we'll be talking to Ron just after 11. Really looking forward to that. He's got some great yarns. And Mick Guerin at 11.43 this morning. Um, and uh, really, uh, we'll be focusing in on the trotting there uh, as we move through towards midday. And Staffy. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. There I was sitting down to write a sermon applicable to a Friday anticipating the start of a blockbuster weekend of sport, full rounds of Super Rugby in the second test and the last test of our cricketing summer featuring the world champion Halberg and uh, champions as well, Black Caps against the Proteas. Uh, what can they come up with this time around? History is beckoning down there in Christchurch. But sometimes breaking news changes all your scope and your thinking and hits you right between the eyes. So the news... Uh, through a tweet that Vaingatua Gamala, Inga the Winger, has passed away at the age of just 52, is a day changer. A great player and an engaging person. Not the greatest to wear number 11, but he did set the bar for the legend that was, and now they are both gone so prematurely. A ball in hand, one-on-one, unstoppable in both codes. The imposing build, the blockbuster style that made us all leave our seats at the hint of Inga cutting loose. A message from his Wigan teammate, the very well-known Jason Robinson, absolutely heartbroken. I owe so much to this amazing man, literally helped change my life. And so too for so many that came into contact with Inga, incredibly popular, but influencing with it in a good way. That smile, that huge beaming smile that could light up a room, a television screen, and a stadium even. Kelston boys, Ponsonby, Auckland, Wasps, Newcastle, Auckland, Wigan, Samoa, and of course the All Blacks. What a track record, so much history, so many hundreds of thousands he touched. The tributes will flow over the days ahead. We will all hear so much more about Vyanga Tua Gamala, MNZM, 
and so we should. Our thoughts go out to his family at this time. R.I.P. great man and friend to all. R.I.P. Nine oh seven, and uh, it is time to talk some cricket this morning. And uh, Craig Cumming comes into us, of course, a former Black Cap, uh, and it's a big weekend, a big day today, the first uh, day of the second Test in Christchurch. But also domestically, uh, it is the final of the Halliburton Johnston Shield, and it's also the final of the Ford Trophy. And uh, Craig Cumming has a vested interest in at least one of those. Sid, good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Smithy. And I'll make a promise today to you, I won't run off. Midway through an interview like I did last time I was on here with you, I could, I could probably explain. My son, my son was doing his driver's licence and um, he rang me about eight times. It's never good when your son's doing a driver's licence no. and keep him ringing you and he's only just started, but I thought he might have had a crash or something. But the good news is he hadn't, so I'm with you for the whole time today. <laughs> good news, mate. Uh, and I'm very happy that he's got his driver's licence. I really am. Hey, uh, first, first of all, Sid, uh, you would remember ringer, the winger? You'd remember him well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, I just heard your sermon and, and caught up with the news and, and very sad. But, yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, sort of, you know, I was followed rugby and, and, and loved loved the All Blacks. And, um, you know, he was so influential. Um, and I think you just said it in your sermon. And the one thing that I always remember is his big smile. Um, one of the few guys you just see him run over people and, and, and nearly just about want to go back and pick them up afterwards and tap them on the back. and <laughs> yeah. You know, him, him and Jonah were, I suppose, that hugely influential time of changing the way our wingers played. And um, But what it also showed is you could be devastating on the field, but an absolute gentleman and an icon off the field. And um, he'll be deeply missed and very sad news. Yeah, very, very sad indeed, mate. Uh, but it doesn't... Uh... Uh, it doesn't take away from the fact, uh, I guess, that uh, life goes on, and it goes on cricket-wise today at uh, Hagley Oval, about two strips over for, from where they were last week. Uh, what are your expectations from South Africa? I mean, after what you saw, have you got any at all? Oh, I saw a bit out. Well, it has to be better, surely. Um, you know, I, I know they didn't have a great preparation. Um, I know they lost the toss, but, gee was I thought they were poor. Um, compared to... Teams we've watched in the past, Smithy, and played against in the past, I mean, it was a shadow of that. And, and even with that preparation, even on those conditions, and what probably summed it up for me most was the way they fielded and, and maybe the way they bowled. I mean, yes, you can get bowled out, but Smithy, I don't know. I mean, when was the last time you saw a South African team drop seven or to nine catches, I think it was, in, the, in their, their fielding innings? And, and maybe that just summed them up. I mean, they've got a few issues going on that we just don't understand and um, it's not part of our sport, but no, they, they were poor. Um, yes, the Black Caps were good. Uh, Matt Henry was good in that first innings, but um, you know they've, they've got to front up. Surely they've got to be far better. Um, I, I am getting a little bit concerned about the pitches we're playing on. I know, I know that you've got to bat and both teams get a chance, but um, I really do want to make sure the contest is fair, Smithy, between bat and ball, mm. even on day one. Yeah, a bit of seam movement, bit of swing. I've got no problem with that, and Hagley does have the extra bounce. We know that, but it's not good for us. I mean, I was going home from Queenstown after doing commentary in the White Ferns game, Smithy, and I couldn't wait to get home on the Saturday and, and sit down and watch Test cricket on Saturday afternoon on on day, you know, day three, and it was all over. It was it was gone, and, mm. and that's I just that's not good for our game. I don't think and. 
Um, I hope that the pitch is a wee bit drier. I hope it's a wee bit fairer. And I hope this game's more competitive because um, I reckon the game of cricket actually needs it, Smitty. Mm, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, dominance is great, but uh, cricket is better um, across the board. Yeah. And uh, what about what about us? Uh, do we, we just status quo, same eleven, mate. Everyone, I mean, uh, they were underdone really. Only two and a half days cricket, so uh, pretty much the same. Yeah, I, I would think so. Obviously, the one debate was going to be around Trent Bolton, um, whether he was going to be available, and then what would happen? Um, that got ruled out, so um, you know, it'd be the status quo, and, and it was good for Matt Henry. You know, we've we've commentated him a lot, Smithy, where. You know, he's always had to come in and, and probably struggled a bit. And his, te- you know, he, I think his average was over fifty. But he got an opportunity in his own conditions and, and with the new ball and, and bowl. You know, he, he is a very, very good bowler and a very good seam bowler. And the conditions suited him. So yeah, that'll be that'll be status quo. And I, and I reckon the Black Caps want want a bit more fight too. I, I think they'll want to go out. And, um, even that Bangladesh series was, was tougher. You know, you could actually in that second test they had to earn that victory after losing the first test, believe it or not. So. Yeah, we'll be status quo, and um, we'll, we've got a good side. I mean, you know, we've got, um, obviously, you know, Henry Nichols stood up. No Ross Taylor, no Kane Williamson for the first time, or well, feels forever. And there's a bit of pressure on that middle water, and, and Henry Nichols stood up, and, and that was great. So uh, they'll continue that. I, I still like. I, I still want us to... I, I don't like seeing us with five seamers in our team, Smithy. I, I'd like to see... I mean... Mm. You know, even you know, we've got to we've got to start producing a spinner that can play in our home conditions. But again, that may be me just with my opinion of how it's going. But at the moment, they're they're a very very good side, especially at home. Okay, let's uh, change uh, tack now because there's plenty going on domestically, uh, and uh, in particular for uh, for you, you've got the the bonus. It, it looked uh, for all intents and purposes you might miss out on the final of the Halliburton Johnson Shield, but you've snuck in. Uh, and uh, I think you're a viable chance. First of all, uh, tell us, um, uh, had you written the season off, basically? Oh, not really. Yeah, we, we got in. I mean, we, we haven't played for three weeks, and, and even then we got rained off. We've had a really interesting campaign. We've had five games of our ten rained off. Um, so we've um, we sort of got going before Christmas, and then we were meant to play Wellington uh, three weeks ago, and we had got half a game in instead of the two, but... Um, it was always the case, ND had to beat Auckland twice, and um, they beat them easily on the first day by 10 wickets, and then on the second day they tied, which meant we ended up on the same points as them, and yeah, we got through from net run rate. Uh, I was actually driving home with my younger son from, from cricket from Omaru, and I had to pull over Smithy and just you know watch the last over on the side of the road, and oh, I'm just really excited for the girls. We've, we've had a really good year. It's, it's, it's stopped, really, because we haven't played for three weeks, but we, um, you know, we played some really good cricket, and, and it's an opportunity for them to go out and play one more time, and they experienced the final with a super smash, and, and I think um, that'll do us good come this weekend. Uh, we've got a few challenges, we've got a few students, Smithy, so we've had to make sure that the rat tests are out, and we've got to keep people, you know, healthy. <laughs> and when, when they all turn up tomorrow to Queenstown, Smithy, I'll be a happy, happy coach because they're all there. Um, but you know, we're, we're excited about playing at Wellington. A good side. They've still got some quality players, but. Uh, there's nothing like playing another game to end the season, and if you do things right, you know you might get a chance to lift a trophy, and, and that'll be really special for the girls. So the teams will be different, of course, because of uh, White Fern commitments. Does it favour you? I mean, you lose Susie, you, you lose Susie Bates. Uh, I think you lose Haley Jensen. I'm not quite. Oh, Katie Martin. So really, but you're pretty badly affected too. Yeah, actually, the irony is that we've got three out, and I think Wellington have got three out. Um, 
they still keep a couple of players. Who, well, they've got three White Ferns contracted players still in their squad. They've got Lee Kasprick, Tenzin Newton, and um, Jess McFadgen, their wicketkeeper. So, you know, they, they've still kept some quality players as well. So, no, no, but I think it's pretty even. We, we were really lucky. Like in, in the Halle Burton, the players that really stood up for us before Christmas and that were actually our, our non-White Ferns. Um, and, uh, you know, Emma Black took six wickets. We had... Uh, Bella James and Caitlin Blakely scoring runs. Polly Ingalls uh, was doing brilliantly well. So, no, I think it's a really even contest. I think we've both been affected by some, you know, our best players not playing, but that's what happens. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're comfortable. Our biggest challenge is we just haven't been playing any cricket, Smithy. We've had three weeks since we've mm. played a game. And even this week, I, I sort of, um, we have to be, in all honesty, we've had to be really mindful of COVID. Um, we have had a couple of players who, um, had to go into isolation last week uh, because of the old student student quarters and um, they haven't been able to train but the good news is I think as of today they've, they've all allowed out and they've passed all their tests so they might have to bowl a few balls. They'll be bowling down the hallways in the student flats but to keep them informed so we'll see how they go. That'll be fun. That would be fun. Well, uh, the only good thing is if they're, isolating, if they're isolating they're not, they're not out drinking which is not saying my team does that Smitty you know what I mean but if, no, they, if they're isolating I, the flats, they don't out the pubs. I was more envisaging what they'd be playing a, uh, on top of a, on a hallway in a student flat. That's all. Um, that'd be an interesting surface. <laughs> uh, just, but just move, just moving along and staying on women's cricket too. White fans seem to be tracking pretty well. They got done yesterday. Uh, India finally they got their batting act together. But by and large, uh, how do you think they're tracking? That it, it, it looks pretty good. Well, they've, they've only been able to do what's in front of them. And, and no, that is very good. They've got players in form. Um, they've been able to score big totals, which has always been one of their concerns. And they're playing with a lot more freedom, I think, than they have done um, in the past. And, and that's given them confidence. Um, a little bit, just got to be a little bit careful of false front. And I say that in India, yesterday was the first time India bowled their best bowling attack uh, and played their best 11. And they showed how good they can be. And it was the first time they bowled their five best bowlers in one game. And as it turned out, they restricted New Zealand to 250. But New Zealand could have done a bit better. They had a lot of starts. What, what, what I'm enjoying with them is they're able to um, score at a good strike rate. They're, they're giving themselves a chance to get 270, 280. Uh, they were able to do that in the series. And, um, you know, I, I like Sophie Devine at the top. Susie Bates is in good form, and you know, merely could. She was smitty. She's turning into a wonderful cricketer, all-round cricketer. So, no, I think they're trucking really well. I think they got everything they wanted out of that series, and um, they've given themselves a, a really good preparation going into the World Cup. Um, they've got a week in soon. I think Lauren Down, uh, she took a catch yesterday, and, and the word of the street is that she might have broken her thumb. If she's done that, she's going to be ruled out. So, she'd nearly worked her way into the top eleven. So, it'd be interesting to see what they do if she's injured, Smithy, because. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of depth when it comes to batting, um, and there's not a lot of depth to call upon. But no, at the moment, I mean, it's been a brilliant sort of two and a half weeks on Queensland. I'm still here, Smithy. I'm looking out in the balcony on the, the Remarkables. Uh, the John Davies Oval, gee whiz, it's a, it's a wonderful cricket surface, and it's been, a, it's been a good two and a half weeks, and they're ready to go. And I hope, I hope they go really well, and I hope we get a bit of that buzz that came about uh, when, you know, the, the World Cup was here in 2015, and they can create some momentum. I mean, fingers crossed, you never know the way things are tracking, Smithy. We might even be able to get some crowds in in a couple of weeks' time. So um, that would be exciting for the White Friends as well. Hugely so. Hugely so. Uh, John Davies Oval, of course, has seen a bit of traffic and it's been waiting for some for a while, <laughs> but it's got some and it's got 
got some more at the weekend because not only are you playing there, uh, the Ford Trophy final is there. Uh, Central Districts, uh, Central Stags, uh, Auckland Aces, uh, two pretty even teams. Aces got up on a non-consequential sort of game yesterday, but they're pretty evenly matched, these two. Yeah, they are. And I actually heard um, you know, George Worker got another 100 yesterday after he got 100 two mm. days ago. I think he was on with Hugh on there, and he goes, uh, yeah, I he's got four. Call, I actually, yeah, four in the season in his first year. I actually heard him talk about, when he was talking to you, he talked about CD. He said CD once and then forgot that he was playing for Auckland. So um, there'll, be a bit of, there'll be a bit of ribbing going on, but gee, was George has made a big difference to that, that Auckland top order. Not that they really need it, because they've got one Martin Guptill, they've got Phillips, they've got Chapman. Um, the one area they've got a little bit of experience in is probably their bowling, uh, the Aces. But if you go out and score 300 or 380... Well, gee whiz, you and I could probably get a couple of overs in and do a right smithy. But when you look at the stags, well, they're, they're just full of power as well. I mean, you, you know, their top order is just, you know, aggressive and they look to hit the ball. And they have a genuine, you know, they basically have a, a second string Black Cats bowling attack. Um, so, um, you know, the two best sides, I, I, I imagine it's going to be raining fours and sixes. Um, the airport might get a bit of a hammering and might have to watch out for some, you know, things. But... It's been, a, it's been a tough competition, the, the Ford Trophy for the teams, because this is the one where Auckland had to, you know, Auckland had to make a lot of games up, so it was hard to track it for a while. But no, two very good sides, and um, the feeling is I think if, if the CD bowling attack can restrict the Auckland batting attack, I think it's advantage CD. If they can get Guptill, who uh, is in good form, and also um, George Worker out, I think it's advantage them. Um, obviously, Adam Milne uh, is playing as well, and I watched a bit of highlights from yesterday. He looks like he's bowling quick. Lockie Ferguson, Smithy, it's going to be... It's one of those finals that you you wish it was... You know, you could have a crowd, because why wouldn't you want to go and watch these guys? Mm, maybe. Maybe. I, I, I would want to watch it. I mean, I think it's a hell of a match-up. Um, and there's so much cricket on over the weekend, and you have previewed it beautifully for us, uh, Craig Cummings, so enjoy... <laughs> Enjoy Queenstown. Enjoy Queenstown, which is pretty close to your what your third home, Wanaka. Yeah, yeah, I could pop across the hills, Smithy. Yep, could um, go and have we look there. But um, I've also got to do a bit of work as well. So I'm just pleased I've been able to stay for this whole interview and, um, and fulfil my obligations, Smithy. <laughs> the whole world is pleased about that. Thank you very much, Sid. <laughs> um, enjoy your time down there. Uh, good luck. Good luck with the ladies. Um, uh, I'm sure you'll go well and uh, do the do it justice. So. Uh, yeah, all eyes on uh, Christchurch today and cricket over the weekend. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Billy. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Craig coming there, of course, uh, coach of the Otago Sparks. What a season they've had. Two domestic finals. Unbelievable. They could hardly win a game not long ago, and now uh, they're playing for two titles in one season. Quite incredible. Um, but uh, the subject today, a double eight double three, I guess is a text uh, number. As yeah, double eight double three. Your memories of. Uh, Inga the Winger, um, by Inga Tuigamala, ball in hand, smile on face, beating opponents, running through opponents actually, um, and uh, not just around them. Incredibly quick for a size and uh, robust sort of a bloke, stocky build, but that smile and his, uh, his engaging way um, is, is something I will always uh, remember. So, yep, um, I would uh, like to hear your thoughts on uh, Vainga Tuigamala initially. And maybe prospects for the Black Caps. Uh, what are you thinking about uh, how it's going to pan out today? If uh, is a toss that important? Is it really on this pitch? I'm not sure. It may be as important as the last one. We'll see. Uh, Nine twenty-two here on SENZ. He was so so into anything. I mean, he was such good talent too. Buying a Tuigamala.
Uh, it could light up a room, it could light up anything and, and endorse anything. It just really was uh, a fantastic person to be around. I only, I only met him once, really, and talked to him once. But I've, when I met him, I felt like I knew him so well and uh, I felt like he knew me. Yeah, that, that's the kind of bloke that he was. He was no stand back. He was just so uh, into the whole thing. Uh, I loved uh, the rugby doco, the good, the bad, and the rugby, and the scene where the midweek team was playing a Welsh club side. Inga was running amok, bumping them across the park, uh, and the non-playing ABs were in a frenzy, loving it. Uh, yeah, uh, so memories there of buying a Tuigamala, early ones coming in. Please uh, do keep them coming in. Uh, Craig says, uh, Smithy, no sermon this morning, or was there a glitch with the app? May well have been a glitch with the app, uh, Craig was... It was dedicated to uh, buying a Tuigamala, so uh, yeah, just uh, my personal thoughts on it. Uh, Kane has come in and said, when Smithy comes in, please thank him for the tip of the horse called So You See. Yes, So You See won last night. Uh, it started earlier in the week at about 12 to 15 bucks when the betting opened and closed at 480. So Kane was able to get plenty of that. So we're pretty happy for you, Kane. And anyone else that got onto it, I think Anton let it brown tip that out as well. Uh, so uh, that was uh, really comfortable for the punters. Right, uh, news coming through that the, the Bledisloe Cup, of course, is going to be reduced to two matches. Uh, the annual three-match Bledisloe Cup series between the All Blacks and the Wallabies will be scaled back to two until at least 2025, following a mutual decision by the Trans-Tasman Nations. Now, Australia and New Zealand have competed for the Bledisloe Cup since the 1930s, with the All Blacks enjoying much the better of the rivalry, especially lately, haven't they? They've whitewashed Australia 3-0 last year to uh, ensure the trophy remains. Uh, for the 19th straight season, very, very one-sided. Uh, the British Low Cup has been contested as a three-test series since 2006, except uh, the World Cup years, and a reduced schedule means Australia's task. So for Dave Rennie and Michael Hooper, uh, they've got to win both to get it back. That means winning at home and winning away makes it very, very tough for them as well. So... Uh, that is uh, the news on the Bledisloe Cup, other sports news uh, filtering through. Uh, how are we going in terms of our logistics there, my friend Logan? What an amazing first day, uh, Smithy, with uh, John Day leaving us yesterday. Uh, yes, unfortunately, there was a glitch there with uh, Smithy's sermon, which is unfortunate because uh, it was very touching. Um, you will have to catch it uh, on our podcast channels there, Spotify or wherever you get your, uh, your podcast, because very touching words by you there, Smithy. But uh, from my seat, it looks like things are all under control. We'll have uh, Hugh Bainan. Very shortly, uh, NBL general manager to talk uh, all things the NBL. The Tall Blacks as well, they were playing uh, overnight. Absolutely smashed India. Did you ever know India had a basketball team, Smithy? Yeah, they've got an everything team, India. There's so many people live there, they try their hands at probably everything. I'm not sure they've got a rugby league team, um, but I've never heard anything about them playing rugby league. But pr- pretty much, India play every sport and they invent a lot of their own. Um, so, yeah, no, no surprise there. Um, and uh, believe it or not, there are lots of tall people in India, uh, lots of very tall people in India. So I would imagine if they really dedicated themselves to being a basketball nation, uh, they've got the, the backing to do that. So they just need the games, the, ex, uh, the experience, etc. But no great surprise that we knocked them over, surely. 
Yeah, I know. And even though it was an under, it was an understrength side by the Tall Blacks there, uh, but it was really good to see the likes of Roblo, uh, who's been in a bit of a doghouse recently with the Breakers, uh, not being called upon there. So he puts on the black jersey instead, and uh, he had a pretty good game, uh, getting a double double of fifteen points, ten rebounds, uh, and six assists. So uh, I mean, for Breakers fans out there, that's a name that is synonymous with that squad, along with the likes of Tom Abercrombie. So really good to see and of course uh, Sydney Kings player Tom Vadanovich led the way for the Tall Blacks as well 21 points uh, he was lights out he scored 16 of those points coming in the opening term so coach Piero Cameron I imagine would be pretty happy with that outing yeah he would have been absolutely so they don't get to play very often we'll talk to Hugh Bain on, uh, about that very shortly uh, tune into SNZ every Sunday from 11 till 12 uh, for GRNZ's Dog Speed, that's Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by uh, our very own Ricardo Ball, who is everywhere over the station. Uh, he's also joined uh, on the show by experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dogs Speed. Uh, also, uh, you can uh, get involved, if you are all involved, uh, don't forget to put your tips in this weekend too for the two uh, tipping competitions we've got for Super Rugby, just a reminder there, uh, if you stayed in, um, in the last man standing version, get your entry in because uh, those numbers will drop away pretty easy last week. I think it's pretty easy this week too, actually. I, I don't think there's going to be too many surprises. Now, uh, Logan, I, I believe Hugh Bainan might be on the line. So we can, uh, uh, he is, through. and I have a very special treat for Hugh Bainan. Uh, we go way, way, way back I don't know if you remember a little show called Sports Tonight, but that's kind of where we both cut our teeth. Uh, so for anyone who's a fan of 90s uh, sports TV shows, this one is for you. That is uh, 90s or 80s, all right. That uh, surely is. In fact, it dates me, that piece of music. But uh, clearly it doesn't date you. Uh, Hugh Bainan, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I remember watching Hang Time, Julie, Mary Beth, Danny, Coach Bill Fuller, Chris, Samantha. What a show that was. <laughs> what a show. Uh, well, the National Basketball League uh, starts uh, in uh, on April uh, the 28th this year. How's, how is everything coming in? Uh, I'm seeing uh, new sides, new owners, and, and um, new franchises being developed very quickly. So it looks healthy, mate. Yeah, very healthy. A lot happening uh, at NBL Towers at the moment. moment Smithing. We don't really get a, a breath to rest at the moment, but it's, it's exciting. So, yeah, well, I, I guess we'll go bit by bit. New franchises have been announced. So they, they start in 2024. The league will expand in 2024 to, to have 12 teams in the men's league. So uh, the Bay of Plenty Stingrays come in and, and a team out of Queenstown as well, which is really exciting after uh, an expansion process um, that we went through at the end of last year. Uh, so that's really exciting. In terms of this year, we made the decision about 10 days ago to push the league back by three weeks to start start time. You know, we're very lucky to be able to do that 
um, with our partners at Sky Sports. So um, push that back by three weeks and, and buy, just to buy ourselves a little bit more time, I guess, with the uncertainty around COVID and also allows our players to come home from Australia, the ones that play over there. So, so far, it seems to be the right decision as I watch what happens with our friends at rugby and um, we're in regular contact with rugby and netball and, and the best way to run national leagues at the moment. But uh, at least we'll be starting in nine weeks now as opposed to six. So hopefully we're long past the peak of, of Omicron and all that stuff and we can actually get back to playing some basketball. All right. Tell us who your partners are, your major partners, um, and particularly in terms of your television coverage, etc. Well, we've got a big new deal with Sky Sport um, for the next five years and a little bit different to your normal broadcast deal. It's a bit of a one of a kind. It's actually more of a commercial deal. So Sky have partnered with every single one of our teams, 10 men's teams, five women's teams in the new women's league that's going to be announced officially shortly on, on International Women's Day in early March. Um, so a lot of money going straight from Sky Sport to the teams, uh, as well as players putting every game, so 95 men's games, 35 women's games live on Sky Sports. So, and now every Saturday night game live on Prime, free to air. So certainly no complaints about our partners at Sky Sports, that's for sure. Okay, so, and also I imagine some of it will be going uh, free to air as well on Prime. Yep, Saturday night, the 7.30 game, so the primetime game, as we'll call it, uh, on a Saturday night in the men's league, and then hopefully the women's league as well will be uh, live on prime, free to air, taking basketball to a few more people, which would be really cool and a really good way to spend your Saturday night watching some, some National League basketball. Well, I know it's a very gross sport in New Zealand, and uh, I imagine this uh, just keeps continuing uh, to open up a pathway for uh, our younger talent. And, and when you watch these NBL games, you certainly see... Uh, a lot of young guys on display here making their way in the game. Yeah, we, and the pathways in basketball are really interesting. And, and unlike, I guess, the more traditional sports that we normally that we have played in New Zealand, uh, and that's the American factor, of course, and, and going to college has long been uh, a, a big pathway. Well, college isn't for everyone. As we found out over the years, you know, some of our best players have gone to college and then um, and left after one year and, and not, done the academic side of it that they kind of that is often put forward as a, as a reason for going as well you know you get a free education so what we've tried to do at basketball New Zealand is create those other pathways for the ones that don't want to leave home or don't want to go to college or can't because of dependencies or grades or anything so the NBL is playing a really crucial part in that both men's and women's and that you can stay home uh, you can make money from playing the sport you love. And then other opportunities can come from it. You know, we sent nine players from the South NBL last year to the Australian NBL this year for the first time. We've got players who've gone over to play in Europe straight from the South NBL. You know, there's guys in the NBA that's played in the South NBL and Terence Ferguson um, and then uh, Stephen Adams, of course, and then Tory Craig. So we've had plenty of players make their mark early in the NBL and go elsewhere without going the college route uh, or, or other more traditional routes. Do you facilitate players going into the college system as such, or are they independently done uh, through the players and through agents in America, etc.? Yeah, most mostly it's independently done. I mean, the the players know that these days you have to market yourself, even at high school. So what we can do is, and what we do a lot is stream secondary school uh, games and, and tournaments, and, and make that footage available to be sent over to college scouts. Uh, there are independent companies that do that too that help, team, help players make their way over to, uh, to the States and go to college. But, you know, BBNZ and well, what Basketball New Zealand does is a fair bit of caution and is always there, our high performance team in particular, to provide um, that advice because as, 
always there are people out there looking to just capitalize on other people uh, and maybe not always doing the right thing so certainly those youngsters have to to uh show some caution in those things and most of the time they do and there's normally some good influences around them well Hugh, it's also a pathway of course to uh the breakers but it's also a partner a pathway to the tall blacks and r- quite rarely uh they were involved in action overnight in the uh uh, FIBA World Qualifiers in Manila. Uh, that would be warm, I would imagine, there. So uh, they put, took on India and, and mopped them up pretty pretty com, uh, conclusively. So was that an expected result for you? Yeah, that was expected um, to, to get over India. Uh, you know, the, the, you've got to go, you play who's in front of you, right? You've got to go through everyone to get try and get to the World Cup. And in, in Asia, we've got India in our group. And professional job from the guys. Great to see the tallbacks back out on court for the first time in 12 months and for the second time in 28 months. Um, some, I, you know, I thought Rob Lowe, who we haven't seen much for the breakers in recent weeks, in my opinion, which is quite perplexing. Um, but great to see him out there back in black and, and had a really good game, showed how world-class he is. Same with Tom Vodanovich. And, and good to see some youngsters out there. You know, it's, it's really tough picking um, a tall black side at this time of the year because a lot of players can't make it because of duties around the world with their clubs and stuff. So some youngsters had to step up, and I thought they did really well on debut, the likes of Dane Samuel, Ben Gold, Tucky Ferenson. Um So, no, it was exciting to see the tall blacks back. Expected result, but... Sometimes those are quite hard, can be banana skins, and I thought they'd stay pretty professional throughout, uh, and now they'll get ready for the Philippines, which will be a much tougher task uh, early Monday morning. So uh, tell us about this competition, these qualifiers, what's involved there, and where, uh, where if successful, does that lead us fr- from that group? Yeah, so it's the World Cup qualifiers, essentially, so it does what it says on the 10. What's a little bit different is the fever have put this particular window, or they've combined two windows and put them into a bubble, uh, obviously with no fans, and that's because of the, the pandemic situation around the world. So hopefully we're slowly working our way out of that, and later in the year we'll see these games are supposed to be home and away. You know, we haven't seen the tallbacks at home for a long, long time, and, it, and it's and you know it's so important for the youngsters to see the national teams play at home in any sport, and we'd love to have the tall blacks and the tall fans at home a lot more. And what joining Asia did, Smithy, so obviously we used to be in Oceania, what joining Asia has done has normally provided a lot more home games because we have a lot more competition now. Of course, in the last three years, all these competitions have been put in bubbles or not happened at all. So this is two, two, bubbles, uh, two windows combined into one. So normally you play two games in the window. This time we're supposed to play four, but South Korea didn't get on the plane because a few of their team picked up COVID. Um, and so they made a, quite a bold call, which from all accounts hasn't gone down too well with FIBA, not to get on the plane and, and head over to the, the bubble. So four games has gone down to three. So the Tall Blacks will play the Philippines on Monday morning, and then they play India again. Um, and then later on in the year, they'll have to play Korea uh, and the Philippines one more time. And, you know, Tall Blacks should be, winning these games, you know, certainly won't be winning them by the 55 points they won by last night, but they'll win enough to uh, to get them through the next stage and, and on the road to the World Cup, which is going to be held in Japan, Philippines and Indonesia. So, yeah, you, you know, as our high-performance team always say, and this has been tough times for them, it's like you've you got to play who's in front of you and you've got to win. You've got to get our best team we can out there because we need to be at these international tournaments uh, for the future of the sport. Uh, the other pathway I was referring to is to the breakers, Hugh. Uh, it has not been a happy season. There have been reasons why, uh, and we're, they've been well documented. But uh, we had Mark Hinton on the panel yesterday, and he was very vocal in his opinion. He's written an article about it as well, and he thinks there's um, 
there's some alarm bells uh, ringing uh, in that breakers uh, unit. What are, what are you hearing? Are you agreeing? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't often disagree with Mark's uh, basketball uh, opinions, and this is this time is no different. You know, it's, yes, they're doing it tough, uh, and yes, they've done it tough for the last two seasons straight. But there are some just baffling things <laughs> happening. You know, just basketball decisions, coaching decisions. Was this roster made up? Uh, in the best way it should. The, the one for me and the wrestle that the breakers seem to be having right now, uh, I guess is more from an ownership or a roster composition point of view, and that is, are these rosters being put together to win games and win championships, or are they being put together to sell jerseys? Because you've got a lot of youngsters and, and, you know, and, and make money in the future. A lot of these next stars, these, the two young French players who are fantastic basketball players and will have you know, wonderful careers potentially in the NBA, um, but does that help the breakers now on the court? And therefore, you know, does it does it help basketball in New Zealand, or is it selling jerseys and selling sponsorship, and eventually, you know, getting NBA teams to buy out that, those guys' contracts and bring more money into the club? That's the wrestle they seem to be having. That's the wrestle, I guess, most professional sports franchises had, and it's trying to find that middle ground where you're satisfying both the bookkeepers, uh, but also, you know, your fans. Uh, and people want to watch good basketball and they want to watch the Breakers win uh, like they did a decade ago. So it's a tough one and certainly one I don't think the balance is right at the moment. So in terms of the, the coaching side of things, um, you know, we've got a, a very well-performed coach who has done very, very well in his home leagues as well, good reputation. Uh, is it, is it, does it start there? Yeah, I think it does. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Dan Shamir personally. When I was, you know, still working at Sky Sport and, and sidelined at every Breakers game, I got on really well with him and Modi Mauer, the assistant coach. But there certainly seemed to be some sort of division in the ranks. And, and you know, that's pretty easy to have sorts of division in the ranks. As you know, Smithy, going away with, on long tours, well, the Breakers are essentially mm-hmm. on a, on a five-month tour of Australia at the moment. Um, you know, and so I can see how those things can happen. But to have a player like Rob Lowe, a proven star in the NBL, just not getting any minutes, even in a game where the Breakers are losing by 30, is baffling. And then he goes away on Tall Blacks duty so, and plays. So he's not unfit. You know, he's not injured. Um, so there's certainly some cultural issues out there on tour. And again, that, that's hard to manage no matter how long, no matter how far or how long away from home you are. Uh, but it's also the coach's job, right, to keep those to keep those ranks in. And yes, they're missing Tom Abercrombie. He's been away with injury and, and all these other um, reasons or excuses. But something's not right. Uh, and it probably starts and finishes with the coaching staff. Um, and I don't know how much longer Matt Walsh, the, the owner, and, and Breakers Brains Trust are going to give them. But they have they did extend them. You know, they do have another couple of years left. And it'll be a brave call to sack someone like Dan Shamir. But you know, when Matt Walsh bought the club. The Breakers have just made the playoffs for Paulie Henno. They He got the flick, and they haven't been back in the playoffs since. Um, and that's really the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, it is the bottom line. If you don't make the playoffs, then you don't get the credibility and things start to go horribly awry, if that's your goal. And, of course, um, you know, playing at home would be great. I mean, the glory days uh, of the, the Blackwell ownership and those uh, crowds uh, at those North Shore stadiums, uh, that was the kind of thing that brought the best out in them, but they're just going to have to weather that storm because that doesn't appear to be that close. Yeah, and I, and I will stick up for Matt Walsh and the ownership in this regard. You know, and by by Paul and Liz Blackwell's very, you know, by their own admission, they couldn't sustain owning that club any longer. You know, as Paul said, Paul always says, you know, Matt Walsh came in and saved the Breakers because the the NBL. Uh, in the last ten years, has just taken step by step, and it's more expensive to own a team now. 
there's a lot more money in and around the team. You know, you're talking 10 to $15 million a season to run one of these teams, which is a lot different to when the Breakers are winning their championships. So, you know, certainly wasn't, uh, you know, the, the, the Blackwells got ousted. They needed to go, and they found Matt Walsh who was willing to come on and take the risk and take the team. And it is his team, and it is his money. So you don't want to poke, poke him too much and be like, what are you doing, what are you doing? Because uh, without him, maybe the Breakers wouldn't exist. But... Uh, there it gets to a point, I guess, when you're a fan of the Breakers, as I am, you know, and as, as people listening will be, that you kind of scratch your head and go, well, what's going on here? What are we trying to do? Uh, win games, sell jerseys, what's, what's the play here? You know, get, the, get more money into the club and sell it on? I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be that clear direction. Yeah, it's been great to catch up with you this morning and get that insight there. You're in, you sound like you're enjoying uh, being in the front office. Oh, it's every little boy's dream, isn't it? Running a basketball league, playing fantasy basketball in real life. That's what I tell my wife anyway. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Uh, doing a great job. I so look forward to the start of that season uh, in uh, late April and uh, then again 2024 uh, upping up well, another two franchises. Great news. Absolutely great, Hugh. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Uh, Hugh Bainham there uh, and uh, he is running the NBL, and uh, you know, great news coming out of there, but not great news coming out of the breakers, and I think uh, everyone is starting uh, to uh, agree with that and starting to get genuinely worried about that. Now, uh, hopefully we'll go to a, a bit of a break, and uh, when we come back for that, we might have some uh, texts, and then uh, we will have a, a multi too, uh, a weekend multi before 10 o'clock. On SCNZ. Yeah, text coming in. Uh, you really understand how important some people are. This is uh, an interesting one. Not, not aimed at you either, uh, by the way, Logan, but uh, this is a good one. It's coming from Chris who said, uh, hours after JD leaves, Putin invades Ukraine. What the F? Uh, I mean, you know, that is incredible. Uh, I don't think JD, as powerful as he was, has uh, too much influence on world wars, but uh, it's trucking in that direction, isn't it, and, uh, of great concern. Another text has come on the basketball thing. Great to hear you on the wireless, Smithy. Uh, the Breakers' performance has been hit hard by COVID, but time is up for Shamir and his deputy. Let's get some talent from down under to take, take back control of the Breakers and make it New Zealand's favourite basketball team again. Uh, great interview. Love what Hugh brings and has to offer. Nothing better than passionate, driven people being involved in their sport. But we need an NBL team in the Waikato. So there you go, a good population base too, I would imagine. So uh, maybe that's uh, the next one to come on board. Uh, those two teams, one from Bay of Plenty, of course, and one from Queenstown going into the league in 2024. Some cricket news uh, and some history yesterday. Uh, we spoke to George Worker, you remember, just a couple of days ago after a magnificent 100 he'd scored with Martin Gupta on a record partnership from Auckland's point of view. But uh, he did it again yesterday. Uh, he scored 139 of 144 balls, 11 boundaries and three sixes to guide his side home by three wickets in the last over uh, over the central stags. Uh, it's a thrilling game, but it really counted for nothing because they play each other in the grand final in Queenstown uh, on, on Saturday. That's uh, for the Ford Trophy. That's uh, Worker's 18th in a century in his overall list, a one-day career. Four for the Aces, 10 for the Stags, two for Canterbury and two for New Zealand A. Uh, and no one else has got four in a season. So uh, George Worker, a number of players have got three, George Worker. And yesterday, Dougie Bracewell picked up his 100th list day wicket when he bowled Ben Phillips for five. And that uh, final, John Davies Oval, is set for 11 a.m. start on Saturday morning. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and probably have a review of it uh, come Monday morning.
It is 9.53 here on SENZ. We're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we uh, had a crack yesterday. We backed the New Zealand women to beat India on form uh, at $1.37. I thought that was quite a good uh, deal. But uh, India actually got their act together yesterday. They were a very fine batting side, and they chased down New Zealand's total quite comfortably in the end. So India uh, upset our apple cart, and uh, even if they'd won, we were in trouble this morning because Arsenal are 1-0 down to Wolves after 56 minutes in that game. So uh, not too good. So heading into the weekend, let's uh, have a decent old crack here. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers to beat Detroit today, this afternoon at a buck 41. And also this afternoon, the Chicago Bulls to beat the uh, Atlanta Hawks uh, at a dollar 61. Uh, the Rebels to beat the Force, uh, that's in Super Rugby across the Tasman, of course. Uh, that's a very evenly priced game. I'll go for the Rebels uh, at a dollar 80. Uh, and there's a game of uh, one day uh, cricket tonight. Is it one day cricket? It might be T20 cricket, actually. Bangladesh. Uh, will beat Afghanistan at $1.45. They're playing at home, so I would imagine uh, that they will uh, knock that one over quite comfortably. Uh, and if you get that, if we get that, uh, it'll be five ninety-two, and uh, that would be a good return for the weekend. Uh, what's coming up in the next hour? We've got a panel. Uh, of course, uh, we'll be talking about a number of subjects. Uh, Ollie Ritchie and Sam Ackerman there. Um, uh, I think Ollie's in uh, MIQ to be honest, he might have come home uh, And uh, also we'll be talking uh, straight after 10 o'clock uh, with the legendary Grant Fox of course uh, He'll have some memories of Inga Pui Gamala uh, So keep those texts coming in, double eight, double three, a couple to read out in the next hour Sad day, sad day for rugby fans and for league fans From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ just outside the Barbarians 22. Lovely ball again to Forster. Out to Ellis. Ellis is a mazy runner. Tui Gamala goes. Tui Gamala over the 22. Tui Gamala all the way. A magnificent score. He got the ball down, the referee says. It may have leapt away. But what a superb score for this big lad. Yeah, Vainga Tuigamala scoring there uh, against the Barbarians uh, back in December 1993 at Cardiff Arms Park. Uh, one of many uh, memorable tries uh, in a number of jerseys and a number of codes, actually. Uh, this is a very sad day. And to reflect a little bit on the, the life and the career of, of uh, Vainga Tuigamala is uh, the legendary Grant Fox, of course, uh, with Auckland uh, and with the All Blacks, the same pathway that uh, Vainga Tuigamala took. Uh, Foxy, good morning. Thanks for your time today, and thanks for answering the phone at the last minute. Um, these things happen, Pleasure, but at mate. the age of 52. Age of 52, oh, very, very sad. I oh, know. Oh, no. It's a sad day, isn't it? I was out walking the dogs this morning and got back to a text from your producer, and I thought, God, what's happened here? So I had to go online and check, and, and um, God, just... I'm shattered, to be honest. Um, you know, far too young. Um, you know, we've lost an icon, but his family's lost a lot more. Absolutely right. And, uh, you know, uh, our, our thoughts absolutely go out to them at this time. Uh, Foxy, my memory of him, um, listen, uh, obviously I was watching him as a rugby player, but I, I met him on one or two occasions, and I, you kind of felt like you'd known him all your life. He was that engaging and just that good to be yep. around. 
yeah, he always had time. He always had a smile on his face. He was always a giver, never a taker. Um, I mean, I, my first recollection of Inga was Auckland 88 when he first got picked and he became this um, explosive, elusive, um, um, you know, quick, um, dynamic rugby player that I thought, oh, my God, what have we got here? This is something special. Um mm. And um, and he always had this guy just had a you know a, just always had a smile on his face and I, just as a as a five eight who used to have to deal the cards he just gave you so many options because he could he, he could bring him in you know off nine outside ten outside twelve or inside and he was you know elusive enough and quick enough to go further wide and come in from the blind side to go outside centre and attack wide channels so. Um, he certainly gave you options if you're, you know, the guy who's dealing the cards. He, you know, he presented a, a I mean, we'd gone through a stage of, uh, you know, fairly skinny, sprightly wingers, uh, and all of a sudden we're, we're going into uh, this kind of uh, player, which he was the first uh, of uh, a number, really, of that style of play. Yeah, although I, I look back, I mean, you know, I, I can remember vividly Brian Williams in 1970, and he was pretty powerful, wasn't he? Um, yeah, you know, was. so was JK for that matter. Um, but I saw a post from Ben Artinger this morning. I actually thought summed it up beautifully. You know, Dan, it just simply said, "Before Jonah, there was Inga," and I actually think mm. that captured Inga beautifully. Um, so you know, and he went on. You know, he didn't play a Test match till he got you know, All Blacks '89. Didn't play a Test till '91. I have, and my memory at times doesn't work particularly well, and and around you know, what happened, you know, in, in too many games that I can remember um, reasonably vividly, and I might stand corrected a little bit here, but um, 1991 World Cup, we were playing Italy. Um, I think it was the last pool play. I mean, we all know that team wasn't playing particularly well. I was playing worse. Um, and we were we were battling in, you know, not great conditions against Italy. And Inga changed the game, as he was prone to do. You know, he got a, a bobbled ball. I don't know whether it was pass off me or a short pass off someone else I can't quite remember but it was probably a move we hadn't quite got right Inga popped up in space, took a little a little short pass and burst through and I think it was from around the 10 metre line and if he didn't score it someone else did but he did all the work um, and that was just typical Inga he was a guy who could change a game you know, the team at that stage needed a bit of inspiration and in that particular instant Inga provided it yeah, you mentioned before you remember him coming into the side um, and what kind of presence he brought, but I mean he's not your quintessential rugby player in that regard. I mean a rugby player is very serious about it, but uh, but, but it, this, it was the smile. You know, it, I think the yeah, smile no, is the no. thing that 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 I that I um, will miss the most. Yeah, I, look, he was cheeky, Inga. You know, he had this impish sense of humour. Um, you know, at, at, at training at times, you know, I, I can remember some Auckland trainings and you'd be, you know, we always tried to train faster than we could play and we'd be getting through some hard work and you'd be have used Inger a bit and he'd have his hands on his knees and he'd look at me and say, it's almost to say, please don't call me again with this big smile on his face, you know, and if I called him again, he said, oh, okay. You know, he was just, you know, he, he was cheeky in that regard. Um, you know, always... Um, as, you, as you know, you use the word engaging. You know, he was always he was happy. He was happiest, sure, uh, with his family, absolutely. But then, you know, in, a, in his in his rugby environment, um, he was in his happy place. Yeah, 
Well, you, you mentioned before he had time. He had time for teammates. He had mm. time for yeah. uh, and, and respect yeah. for that. But he also had time for the public uh, and that in itself. And I, I've just had a text come through this morning saying uh, he remembers Inga signing uh, for kids uh, at a, after a, an all-black training session, uh, this fellow Steve. Yeah. And he said he, he just didn't sign. He stood and talked and wrote the messages. You know, that, that, that is yeah. a point of difference. Yeah, and, and he was always like that. And he had a big signature too, you know. I mean, I can remember sitting beside him signing <laughs> balls. And it started as Vainga to Igamala. It eventually shortened to Inga because the ball, the ball when you're sitting in a the circle, they all piled up as at Inga's chair. So he had to figure something out <laughs> to get the flow going better. So it's very shit because uh, everyone knew him as Inga anyway. So he could actually. That yeah. was absolutely fine. But, you know, Vainga to Igamala was, you know, it took him quite a, t- a bit of time to get through it particularly if he, start, if he sat next to Richard Lowe because he'd just sign R. Lowe, so there would be a bottleneck there, and that was always a, gr- a great deal of humour <laughs> like, when we were doing that sort so of you, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, you're right, yeah. he was always right. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. wouldn't just sign, he'd talk to you. There was always a message. Um, yeah, he was just, you know, as I said, he was a giver, not a taker. And, and across the codes as well, Foxy, because uh, I remember he he's very faithful to Ponsonby, then in Auckland, of course, yes. great legacy there. The All Blacks, and then of course he, he changed codes, uh, and he became. I'm reading a tribute from uh, Jason Robinson this morning. Yeah, quite I clearly, he had the same yeah. effect. Same effect in league in league yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, he had a remarkable league career. You know, I mean, he, you know, don't forget the game was amateur when he played, first played, um, and you know, obviously he went down a professional path with with rugby league, which gave, which was just another. It extended his rugby career because, you know, in a way he wasn't getting picked at the level, you know, he wanted to um, um, in New Zealand anymore, really. And so off he went. And, um, and you know, there was another career, a bit of a rebirth, if you like, um, profound influence on the game of league over there on Wigan, um, on people like Jason Robinson. Then he went back to rugby. Mm. He played for Newcastle and Wasps, you know, before. So he had a long career in the endinger and, you know, got some great financial reward out of it and then, you know, came back home because he was always a homeboy here, um, you know, and, and a very proud Samoan. Played um, a number of tests for Samoa over, what was it, 94, 95, 96, I think, That's was right. that period. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, um, and then, you know, age eventually catches up to all of us and you can't play the game you love anymore and you've got to do other things in your life. And uh, Inga got into things again where he was giving back to his community. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did. I remember a number of fundraising things that he tried and a number of yeah. initiatives he launched for the sake of, of church and family. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, he got into, I think he got into the gym business um, and he got into uh, the, uh, the funeral home business. I'm trying to think of the right, um, the undertaker yeah. business. All part, yeah. all designed really to help his, his community, you know, to put, because yeah. he, you know, he intuitively understood uh, and connected, uh, and he was too, he was he was generous to a fault. Because I think you know at times those businesses may have struggled a little bit because Inger was always too generous. You know, not only with his time, but you know, um, and just wanting to help people out. Typical Inger. Yeah. You know, and look, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, ironically, too, Foxy. He was. Um you know, this comes at this passing comes at a time where he would have looked very fondly upon the introduction of of Moana Pacifica into top level rugby uh, as a franchise in their own right. I mean, very proud island traditions. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was just talking to Jake A this morning, um, 
and he was just telling me a little story soaring very recently and he said he was it was with um you know um um, he was sitting in his cafe and he noticed three, big, uh, four big island boys um, and uh, on the footpath, and they happened to be Inga, Ronnie Clark, Charles Rickerman, and Bradley Meeker. You know, and they'd been they'd been on a bike ride, I think, from Swanson or something. So this was like halfway house, turn around, go back. Um, and Jake has had a wonderful catch up with him, you know, which is again, you know, typical Inga. Um, you know, and he would have probably been right in the middle of that with all of that, that cheeky sense of humour. But um, you know, and it's a, it's a sad time. I mean, it's family been through a sad time. Just very recently, he lost his you know his younger sister only three weeks ago. So God, the Toy Gamala family are doing it tough at the moment. They are, and uh, as I said before, our thoughts certainly uh, go out to them uh, when uh, he does have a send off, and I, you know, in these times yeah. it's uh, probably a bit restrictive for what it might be. But I imagine. The rugby fraternity will want to be, and the league fraternity will want to be a seriously big part of it if they can. Oh, that, that, uh, that's yeah, they, won't have, they won't have a, they won't have a place big enough, Smithy. <laughs> I don't no, no, no. Oh, no, no, you're right. I, I'm thinking it's you know it's it's, it's kind of Jonah-like, really, isn't it? You know, the tributes will just yeah, fly in, it is. Uh, and be, yes. because because of the age too, is, I think the, the early past. Too young. I mean, yeah, we've. I mean, we all know these things happen in life, don't they? But they sort of happen to other people. They don't happen to our circle, do they? Really, not very often, no. anyway. But every now and again, it no. touches. You know, uh, touches a bit closer to home. And sadly, very sadly, this is one of those occasions. Yeah, it is, Foxy. Uh, can I, I just briefly just change the subject uh, on a, on yep. a happier um, note? And that is, of course, uh, your blues. And I can say that now because you've hung up your selecting um, robe as such. And you can say we can start talking about your blues again. Uh, are on display well, this I've weekend. I've got a few months to what? go. I'm, I'm, I'm still well, got okay. to roll okay. the end of July. So. <laughs> okay, the blues then. We'll take the blues are in Absolutely. action this weekend. You may or may not. You may or may not watch. Uh, what, no, are you, what are you expecting here? Yeah. yeah. What are you expecting, mate? Well, um, yeah. Um, well, you know, they, 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 they may be short of a hit out because they weren't able to play last weekend. Um, but you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, this is a tough competition way to start. You're not going to get any, you know, not saying that if we were completely trans you'd get any easier games, but it's, you just, this is a competition that, um, it's hopefully it goes its full course and doesn't get, doesn't get disrupted, but we've got to wait and see on that. But, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm seeing here is a, a blue side that after having success in the Trans-Tasman last year um, will have more confidence. You know, they've worked hard in the off-season. Mind you, all the teams do this, so there's nothing new in this. But, um, you know, um, I'm, you know, they've, again, they're the sort of side, if they can, if they can play with discipline, um, you know, um, make sure that they they are good at taking their opportunities. I mean, it's the same for any team at any level of the game. Nothing's new here, but they're always the side that sort of had enough talent, but sort of maybe at times, you know, didn't always choose the right option, created opportunities, you know, didn't quite didn't quite nail it. So if they can keep getting better at those sorts of things, which they did last year, then, you know, um, you know, for their sake, I'm hoping that, you know, they get off to a good start. But, you know, so so, so are all, all the teams in this competition. You know, the Crusaders have already laid down a mark, and no surprise there is there. Yeah. Um, you know, no. they're, they're going to be incredibly, com- you know, competitive. And at the pointy end, once again, they'll be a tough side to tip over. But, 
Um, you know, we'll just see what see what unfolds. It's early days, so we've got to be careful. I've already been doing a bit of work on the computer and you, you're sort of making notes and you've just got to put in the back of your mind that, okay, it's it's early. Right. We've got to see how things are tracking and you know, the middle of the year from, you know, that's from an all-black selection point of view, or middle of a campaign to the back end. But, mm. um, you know, the teams can't wait to get going till the middle of the back end of the campaign. They've got to get going now. And on, uh, upon that, they rely on some of their big guns to make sure they've got form early. So, um, um, anyway, we'll see, how it, we'll see how it all unfolds. Just uh, finally, um, I know you, um, you're a proud dad and you're especially proud of uh, Brian's performance, his last performance, uh, uh, in the UAE uh, region, so uh, yep. I just got to know. He said he did a lot of pacing. I, I watched them actually. I, I watched them specifically <laughs> because he said he paced. He paced around the greens while other people were lining putts. He couldn't stand still. Uh, what was your carpet like in your room? <laughs> yeah, well, we were watching. We were on the couch, to be perfectly honest. And um, it was. A, it's a nervous watch. You know, it's like when you're watching your kids play, mate. You so desperately wanted to do well, um, and they're usually more calmer than than you are. Um, but he was, I mean, I could see that he had nerves early. You know, he, he was struggling to deal with that early. Um, but I was really proud of how he stuck at it and the character he showed. Uh, you know, he got a little bit wobbly. And then he played that tough stretch, 9 through 12, really, really well. Bit lucky, but got through it. And then I thought it was really solid coming home. And so very proud of him. Um, he, he rang me. Um, um, the next day, and he'd had a few. He'd, he'd had a few with the South African boys, and he was in his hotel room on his own. He said, "Oh, Dad, I didn't enjoy that." And what he meant by that is actually going through it. And I, I you know, yeah. I mean, I understood that because at times you don't necessarily get that enjoyment going through it. You get that you get it afterwards when you've actually got got the job done and you got what you want out of it. Because you put yourself through hell, um, and that's what he that's what he felt. But um, anyway. Uh, he was out for dinner um, a couple of nights ago, um, um, and I, what I'm glad this time. So he's got he's got a chance to enjoy this. Last time he won, and I know it was a, uh, a different event, but he, we went to Mexico a couple of days later. And he just did not get the chance to sit back and 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 enjoy what he achieved. This mm-hmm. time he's done. He's been able to do that and do well with some Kiwi mates and some of his good mates from the on the South African side of the tour. Um, he's home, you, you can enjoy it, get get into some more work, and he's going to head back up to Europe around early to mid-April. So, um, you know, just enjoy it, get, you know, um, um, and uh, go fishing. That's what he loves doing. Mm. You know, um, get back to work and hopefully get going, and hopefully it's the start of, you know, what will be a good, what will be a good season for him. I'm sure it's going to be, mate. I really am, and uh, I feel good for him. So... Uh, look, hey, thank you very much for answering your phone at the last minute, and uh, I know it's going to be a tough day for, uh, for a lot of you guys, uh, losing a, a great teammate and a great mate like that, so thank you for your reflection okay. too, and, and letting the folks at home know just a little bit more about a man that we've lost today. Thanks, Foxy. Okay. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Yeah, Grant Fox there uh, with his reflections uh, on uh, Vainga Tui Gamala, and they will continue throughout the morning, throughout the day here on SENZ. Sam Ackerman and Ollie Ritchie with us this morning on this slightly sad morning. Uh, reflection time, of course, with uh, the great uh, Inga the Winger passing away at the tender age of 52. And uh, both these gentlemen, uh, I'm sure, will have thoughts. And we'll start with you, Sam Ackerman, of course, because um, it is sad for not just rugby fans, uh, people in general, but league fans as well, because he very successfully crossed codes, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly was one of the ones that uh, managed to do it uh, very well. And then morning to you, uh, Smithy, uh, Ollie, and everyone listening. Uh, uh, 
Inga was a um, a force of nature, and I don't think anyone anyone who watched him play, certainly live as well, will ever forget that they saw him play. It's not like, oh, I wonder if he's one of those games that I was at. He leaves an impression, let, let alone on the people marking him. They're probably still feeling those bruises um, the, all these years later. He was the low centre of gravity, the speed that he ran with. He, he wasn't the size of Jonah. He wasn't the size of, of Manu Vatuve, but he was certainly a precursor to um, the devastating impact that you could put a, a fast behemoth of a human on, on a wing and the damage that could be done. And I'll never forget you know, watching guys like him on one wing and then, <laughs> and then Terry Wright on the other. It's you know, complete chalk yeah. and cheese um, scenarios. But uh, it was, he was a real, that's a real stage of the evolution of, of rugby and of, of the wing position as well, just watching those two guys go from one from one era and, and one the, uh, the, the, the flag bearer, if you like, of, of the new one. So he was a joy to watch. Uh, and as you mentioned, incredibly successful in Wigan and in, in rugby league. Uh, I actually, one of those players that I watched play league and go, this is actually what he's better suited to. This is the sport that suits uh, Vangi Tuigamala better. But uh, he was, yeah, a, a joy to watch. Uh, and anyone who, who hear all the stories at the moment, anyone, he had lucky enough to have a conversation with him, with meet him, a sweet human being whose smile uh, you will not forget. Um, and uh, a really colourful character through his time with uh, David Tua in boxing and with uh, the, the Undertaker business. Yeah, just a, a character, but a um, I think a bit of a revolutionary. At least, at least somebody that helped spark through to um, what the how the winger position was played. Uh, the generation before me had uh, BG, and I think for me, um, I, I remember Inger in that kind of um, mould breaking style. Yeah, great reflection, Sam. Too uh, appreciate that. Uh, Ollie Ritchie out of MIQ joins us. Um, uh, sad news, Ollie. Uh, I would imagine from a media point of view, and this had been before your days doing it, but he was such an engaging person. He would have been a rare breed, a real delight, win, lose or draw, uh, to deal with in the media. Yeah, absolutely. Morning, Smithy. Morning to you, Sammy, as well. Um, yeah, a, a real shame that, you know, for me personally, I, I never got to to have those interactions with him because from all of my my, my media colleagues that I've um, that I've spoken to and, and deal often with, they, they just say exactly that, um, Smithy, an absolute delight, a heart of gold, um, you know, so welcoming to people that that wanted to give him the time of day, really, to, to, to catch up with him and, you know, such a devastating loss. And I think it probably speaks a lot to, to Inger and, and his character and the way he played the game that, you know, when I uh, was just born is really when he was, uh, was on the scene. So I sort of missed him, really. But the fact that I know so much about him and the way that he played um, you know, really speaks to who he was as as an athlete and and as a person, um, and certainly from a media perspective, um, you know, one of those rare breeds that is just so welcoming and and so warm um, when, when you speak with him. So yeah, de- devastating news and a really tough loss. Uh, we're going to take a quick news break, fellas, and when we come back, we'll have a decent old go at a couple of other subjects. Uh, there's a cricket test starting, and uh, I think as we speak. Uh, my new producer, Logan, is just keeping his eye out to see the result of the toss. We'll be back very shortly. It's news time with Emma. The opinions, the panel. Sam Ackerman, uh, Ollie Ritchie with us at the moment. Ollie Ritchie, news coming through in the last uh, 24 hours that the Bledisloe Cup uh, is dropping down to two test matches, uh, leaving out the third one. Wow, yeah, it sort of seemed like uh, this was going to happen sooner rather than later, didn't it, 
Smithy. Um, you know, the, all nations really have been trying to get their test count down a little bit. I think, you know, New Zealand rugby particularly want to get the All Blacks down to around probably that 12 test matches per year, potentially 13. Um, it's been such a one-sided affair, you know, for the last decade and a bit, really, um, you know, that it just seems that three test matches, um, you know, is, is probably a little bit of overkill. It, mean, it means that, you know, the Wallabies are going to have to win it in two and they're going to have to win one of them uh, on this side of the Tasman as well. So it makes their job uh, even harder. But I think if you look closer towards that global calendar, um, you know, which World Rugby continues to try and get off the ground and continues to fail to get off the ground, um, you know, it's probably only a matter of time before it, it came to this. Um, so, you know, a couple of test matches I, I think is OK. Um, it means that, yeah, if the Wallabies want to win it, they're going to have to win one of them over the side of the Tasman, um, which makes their job even harder. Uh, was it, I think it was losing its gloss a wee bit. I hate to say that as a rugby commentator, Sam, but it was losing its gloss. It might not be a bad thing. Yeah, I think um, that uh, you can get too much of a good thing and you can certainly get too much of a mediocre thing. Um, and that's been the case <laughs> with the Blues, though. I mean, they, they could have made some of these series best of 999 and Australia's still not going to win them. So it, it, uh, it does make it tough. That, um, but look, they're still going to win two tests against the All Blacks in the calendar year to get it. Um, and that means, yep, there's some, there were some cases where two of those tests could have been played in Australia with the, you know, the swapping them around between the two nations. But don't forget we've played four tests on quite a few occasions as well. So uh, the, the problem is, and we know this within cricket, um, as we're facing with the Black Caps, um, two tests does not a series maketh. In a lot of cases, it feels like you're missing the, an opportunity um, to get a, a proper result. Um, but it, it's going to be pretty... Uh, I, my concern is that the All Blacks now defend the um, Bledisloe rather than attack the Bledisloe. They just need to not lose... Um, to retain the Blitherslow now rather than win to keep the Blitherslow. And I know it's a bit of a cynical point. I don't want to accuse the All Blacks of those kind of tactics, but certainly rather than go out there to win a test, they know if they don't lose it, then they get to keep this silverware because no one wants to be that. I think rather than enjoying the Blitherslow now, I think there'll be a feeling within the, um, the New Zealand team of not wanting to be the team that loses it when you've had it for this long. Um, so... Mm. The, the, the crowds dictated this. They, they didn't show up um, when there was suddenly a contest on um, in the Blitzlow when there's two games at Eden Park in consecutive weeks. So I think they, yeah, I, I think we're ready for a little bit less Australia, thanks. Okay, I, I think you're right, actually. I think you're spot on there. Uh, what we're ready for, though, Sam, is uh, rugby league. We're getting some uh, pre-season games. Uh, uh, Warriors, uh, pretty impressive last week. Titans this weekend, I believe. Uh, what have you made of uh, some of those pre-season games? It's hard to read a lot into it, and this is the week where you can really start to get a gauge of how teams are travelling because you'll, you'll see your teams are putting out closer to their first choice team. And then the team that Nathan uh, Brown has named as a starting 13 is, is pretty much, I imagine, the team that he will look to put out, um, barring injuries or someone putting their hand up in some stellar fashion, uh, for round one because there's no Reese Walsh and no Matt Lodge, and they're both carrying suspensions into the start of the season. So they're, uh, they're, they're picking a team with that in mind. Uh, and, of course, it's Sean Johnson. We were in the Warriors' colours for the first time in a long time. I mean, you know, it's only been uh, 1,267 days, but who's counting um, since uh, the last time? Uh, I've run out of calendars and fingers with that one. But uh, it's, it's, good to, it's good to see Sean back, obviously. But uh, I, 
I'm really curious whether now that he'll be back in the jersey and certainly by the time round one, uh, whether they're really you know kicking a ball and anger comes into it, whether there's somewhere that resembles that same pressure on him. So the pressure right now really is who's on a six. The barrel battle out of this will be uh, with Cody Nikarima starting at six uh, and Ash Taylor on the extended bench. Um, he, they'll both get a chance to run. It's up to them to try now win that six jersey. But it looks like uh, Cody, who's been relatively strong from what I've seen in the um, the preseason so far, may have the inside running. Uh, and Channel Harris Devita is uh, playing at fullback until uh, Reese Walsh gets back at the lease. So that could be a hindrance to his hopes of cracking the halves, that versatility. But it could mean a, a bench spot for him. It should mean a bench spot for him, I should say. Um, so a, a strongest, uh, a stronger pack as they can field. Yep, beating a, a storm was was great, but obviously the storm went full strength. Uh, the Titans looked okay last week, but uh, I just want to see combinations. Don't care about the result. Never have with trolls, but I do want to see some some of these link play, plays and and players starting to look like they gel together because that's the key. I'm just looking uh, on the New Zealand cricket website actually, and. Uh uh, there's no update on the toss, so maybe there's uh, a bit of a delay in play down there. I uh, haven't heard. Oh, okay, sorry, uh, Logan, pop on in. <laughs> uh, yes, the toss has happened, Smithy. South Africa win okay. it, and they're electing to bat. Dean Alger has stated that it's important for us to front up. The wicket looks a lot better than the first test. Mentally, we were beaten by ourselves. Maybe New Zealand outskilled us. Uh, maybe it's not a bad thing to front up as a batting unit and hopefully get a respectable target. Thank you very much for that. Well, Ollie Ritchie, that's interesting in itself. I would have thought I'm not there, uh, but I don't think it'd be vastly different on the different on the first morning. So they were going to take it on. Mm, doesn't look too different. I've just got it on the TV in my in my queue room at the moment, so it doesn't look vastly different. But obviously, Dean Alger will have had a closer look than you and I. Um, yeah, um, a vastly improved effort. He, he calls for it. He doesn't have to do much more to, to put a vastly improved effort out there than the first year, do they? Um, <laughs> So just, you know, anything that resembles um, what an international test side should look like would be an improved effort from uh, from South Africa. Um, taking it on with the bat, that's a big call. Um, you know, Matt Henry was on fire in that first test on his home ground. Um, you know, I think this could we could be in for a bit more of the same um, for South Africa. I hope not because I've got five days left in MIQ and I want this test to go five days. Oh, okay. That's uh, very selfish of you, but um, never mind. Uh, we might have some thoughts, some, some early, some early thoughts on the the first round of Super Rugby. At least you got that to watch all weekend. You can set your calendar by that. Yeah, exactly, mate. I'm I'm looking forward in particular to tomorrow night that Blues Hurricanes. Um, you know. RTS in the midfield um, up against Julian Savier, which was a little bit of a surprise for me. He's played a little bit in the midfield for Wellington um, and a little bit overseas as well, but he'll play uh, in the midfield up against Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I mean, that's the one everyone's looking forward to, right? All eyes are going to be on that Blues back line to see, um, you know, just how Tuivasa-Shek can go and, and, you know, probably need to tamper expectations a little bit. He has only had a couple of pre-season games and this will be his first proper game, so... Um, you know, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, but I, I will be watching with with a lot of interest to see, um, you know, how RTS can go, but you know, also how that Blues team can go because, if, you know, to be honest, Smithy, if the Blues can't win Super Rugby this year with the team that they have and the talent that they have, when are they ever going to win Super Rugby? Mm, I agree, um, uh, but they did win the what they won the Trans Tasman one, didn't they? So uh, yeah, that for me is a bit of a bit of a Bit of a B prize, uh, Ollie, for, for me a little bit. Uh, Sam, uh, have you? Uh, I, I guess you're busy with the league, uh, uh, probably as your uh, priority. But um, uh, 
Super Rugby, uh, sort of, until Moana Pacifica get involved in that, I won't quite feel as if it's a complete start. It feels weird so far, and it's obviously not New Zealand rugby or any Super Rugby official's fault, and this is what red light, this is what... Uh, Omicron's bringing to us, but it, it hasn't felt like, you know, the season's underway, it just doesn't quite feel like it, but it feels feels quite disjointed. Uh, disjointed. I, amazingly, this will blow you away, Smithy, I also will be watching uh, Roger Tui Barsashek, um, because uh, he is a, uh, he's a thorough talent, uh, and um, uh, look, as I, I can always tell you this, uh, a good league player uh, is always what rugby needs to be interesting, so um, every time that... Uh, <laughs> One gets drafted. One gets drafted in. The world gets excited. Same for Williams, Brad Thorne. You know, need I say more? When you get the good ones in, uh, now he just needs to make sure he's not a Benji uh, in, uh, in the rugby convert text. And I, I, he, he's so talented. Can he handle the pressure? Absolutely. He's been in real pressure cooker environments. Can the rest of the Blues team handle the pressure? That I'm not sure about. I'm a born and bred Aucklander. I was, you know, spent my entire formative years there. So I cheer the Blues on and I want to see them go well. Um, but I don't, I'm, it's easy for uh, old Cantabrian mate um, stuck in MIQ to start throwing. <laughs> if they don't win now, they'll never win. I mean, they have won before, mate. Chill out. But uh, it is, a, uh, it is definitely a season they need to perform. <laughs> They do need to oh, perform. Yeah. I completely agree. They've got a good squad, and uh, it's no more uh, coulda, woulda, shouldas for them. Uh, I just, uh, I'm not sure. Have you heard of a team called the Warriors? Uh, and and the promises of this is our year. <laughs> yeah, but see, I I, I blame the, uh, uh-huh. the, um, the 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 rugby based media for uh, such uh, abusive <laughs> hype of a team playing yeah. in an actual competition. You know, a tough one. Um, it's, it's it's unfair. But uh, and you know, all the obstacles in front of them. I I just wish you'd pay them. No, look, they should win. Yeah. They should win a title by now. There's no doubt. <laughs> they should have won a title by now. But uh, <laughs> I, you won't hear me. You won't hear me say this is their year, Smithy. They'll be holding the trophy up, and then I'll give you a call and say, Hey, do you know what? Maybe it's the year. No, you won't hear that from me until then. <laughs> Maybe it was their year. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, just before we go, I know MIQ's tough, mate. Are you getting any treats? Any treats at all, you poor bugger? I am, Smithy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the um, the SENZ treats to arrive, but I'm sure they'll come over the next few days. But yes, I've um, I've received a few treats. My my lovely fiance dropped in um, a couple of bottles of wine and some uh, and some snacks and. Uh, Regular panellist Andrew Gordy actually uh, went to Fed Valley in Auckland and uh, brought me some poutine and a chicken sandwich from there. So a really good start um, from from Kim Downs and Andrew Gordy. Um, I'm waiting for the Ian Smith and Sam Ackerman package to arrive. And, and like I say, I expect that sometime over the next few days. Yeah, I'll send um, one from Taron the mate. It'll be about six days away. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, it'll be the next knock at the door. Don't worry. The next knock at the door. Right. You just wait. You just wait, Ollie. I'll be waiting. Uh, there. Good, jo- good luck. I'll be waiting there. Good, <laughs> good luck, mate. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thanks very much this morning to, to both you and Sam Ackerman. Fantastic uh, input, as usual, from you guys. Uh, strong panel members. It is 10.43 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, uh, some of your great texts that have come in uh, regarding Inga uh, and confirmation, too, of those two test sides about to start battle in Christchurch. Stumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Hey, Smithy, can you believe South Africa won the toss and chose to bat? Uh, that's from Mike. No, I can't, Mike, to be perfectly honest. Uh, in the first hour, if they don't get through that, they'll be and the captain's back in the dressing room himself, they'll be pointing the finger at someone in particular, and it may well be him. 
Uh, morning, Smithy. My condolences to Inga's family and friends. A fantastic rugby player, but an even better person. I haven't got the great I haven't got the greatest memory, but one thing I will never forget is when Inga and the Auckland team were in my town. I took my kids to their training room, and after Inga was signing the kids' autograph books, most people signed then move on to the next kid, not him. He wrote their name and wrote a small message, then signed all the time, telling them and talking to them with that infectious smile. He will be sadly missed, Steve, and I think that uh, is a reflection uh, that probably sums him up. Uh, absolutely, uh, we will be uh, talking very shortly with. Uh, Tana Walters uh, and Pip Morris, uh, of course, from the TAB. New Zealand's team is exactly the same, by the way. Exactly the same 11. Uh, South Africa have uh, made changes with Simpala coming in, uh, with Maharaj, the spinner, coming in. Uh, so that are two definite changes for there. We'll be back shortly. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Theloveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Tana Walters uh, with us this morning. He's been with us all week, actually, as we approach a very busy weekend of racing, Tana. Uh, first of all, today, Rickard, uh, racing at Rickard, and then Matter Matter and Otaki uh, tomorrow. Uh, and also tomorrow night, around about uh, 6 o'clock, we see a uh, very elegant uh, with her second start back in this campaign. Uh, looking to atone for a seventh in the first, up against Think It Over. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a battle too in the Chipping Northern Stakes. Um, a lot of great Kiwis have won that race too, but very elegant. James McDonald and Chris Waller, of course, they pair up once again and it, uh, a better combination since a pie and a coke after a, a game of rugby too. So it'll be great to see them back in the winner's circle. Um, $2.80, but again, Think It Over. Talented horse too with um, Nashville Waller on board. I think it's about $3.80, but yet hopefully the big girl can get up and straight over top of them. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a return too, or well, not a return as such, but um, Colin Gatter's back racing um, after uh, that impressive uh, win. Uh, back in the Embrace Stakes uh, tomorrow as well. James McDonald on that. Could be a good day for Jimmy Mack. Well, again, every time he lines up over there, um, you can expect uh, him to have a good day. But, yeah, it's a very talented horse, is that Colin Gatter. Un- unbeaten, um, and there's another horse in that race too, good extravagant star that'll be going up against and it's out of oh, by the Kiwi selling in too, an extravagant to won the group one here at uh, Tarapa. But you expect uh, J-Mac to be doing his best like that's for sure. Okay, so what about uh, racing here over the next uh, two to three days? What, what, anything lined up? Anything in particular we should be paying attention to? Yeah, well, the group one tomorrow, the El Chipo Cars Wait for Age Classic, uh, the group one there. Uh, Jamie Richards has got the, the first three favourites in that race. We've got last year's. Uh, Oaks winner in Amadalinia there with, for Jonathan Parks. Brando, Marcus Aurelius, and one of our good mates on the good oil, uh, Stephen McKee. He's in the ownership of Hasabro too, who, who makes a return to race day as well. So uh, the favourite there, Amadalinia, $3, then it's going to be one hell of a race, that's for sure. So uh, just uh, on that subject of uh, Tiakau and, and Jamie Richards, when, when is the crossover? When is uh, Mark Walker starting to be hands on there? Well, Mark's actually been here for the last week, actually, so uh, I've been seeing him around the traps, too, and he's actually looking for a place here in Matamata, uh, but I think Jamie's set to leave April 1st, and um, so, so Mark's definitely got his 
hands on everything at the moment too. He's just getting the foot of the field. It's a bit different coming from Singapore, of course, back to his home turf here where he won plenty of premierships, but uh, no doubt he's getting a feel for things at the moment. Okay, Tana, so uh, good oil over the weekend. What's, uh, what's on in terms of uh, guests, etc., for you and, and uh, workmates, actually? Yeah, well, so me and Clayton will be back at it again uh, from 1pm. And uh, we're joined by the ever-insatiable Sam Spratt. Uh, she's an absolute handful, and we love it a bit and, and loves to keep us entertained there. So if anyone wants to join us on, uh, on SEN tomorrow afternoon from 1, we'll be catching all the racing from Matamadao, Taki, and a bit from Australia too. It's going to be one hell of a day. We can't wait to rip in. Good on you, Tana. Thanks for all your work this week. Um, very, very grateful. Pip uh, Morris is uh, there representing the TAB this morning, uh, this morning as well. Uh, Pip, uh, Addington and Palmerston North Greyhound action this weekend. Super rugby betting, cricket betting. You'd be a busy girl. Certainly are. So then, of course, your bonus back across Palmerston North as well. Rickett in today, Alexandra Park and Invercargill. So I think there's a nice play in race number one there at Palmerston. Uh, Big time grenade at 4.50. And on the cricket side of things, yeah, 3,900 on New Zealand to win place this morning at $1.39. $1,000 on the power play selection First innings, Kyle Jemmington, 20-plus runs and 2-plus wickets at 350, and $2,000 on New Zealand to win at 150, placed on Wednesday. And the most power play selections are day one, first session, any player outfold and any player out LBW. So that seems to be the way that the punters are playing today. Pip, have a great weekend. Thank you very much for that. I'd be part of the Kyle Jamison thing. I think uh, he'll get wickets, and uh, he's good enough to get runs too. New Zealand will be batting. Second, I think it'll be easier when they bat, uh, looking at that pitch and hearing a, a wee bit about it from the experts. So uh, that is the option this morning. Uh, those are the options, courtesy of Pip Morris and the TAB. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got Ron O'Regan. Ronnie O'Regan, uh, just after 11 o'clock, of course. Uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, Greyhounds. He's a current uh, trainer, of course, been doing it for a while. Uh, but he'll have some league memories as well. And, um, you know, he, he might have a memory or two about uh, the big O, Olsen Philippina. Uh, certainly his days of playing for Auckland at Carlaw Park. Look forward to hearing about that. It is 11 o'clock here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.03 here on SENZ uh, and we feature every Friday uh, a little segment on greyhound racing. Uh, we, we spoke to... Uh, 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 Riley Evans last week, what a fascinating story that was. Uh, he's uh, a young man who's making his way in the game and uh, not only in racing, but of course he's uh, very interested too in uh, uh, stock cars and sprint cars as well and he's doing exceptionally well at that. So uh, we thought we'd stay on the theme of uh, a bloke who's been able to, to do both at uh, a very high level and uh, we're joined now by Ron O'Regan, uh, legendary Kiwi. Uh, also uh, has been a greyhound trainer for quite some time and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to this chat uh, for a number of reasons. Ron, uh, thanks very much for, for joining us. Um, you're based, what, in Huntley these days, is that right? Uh, no, we're over in uh, Pyro, mate, over by Thames here. Oh, you, yeah, in Pyro. Oh, you've changed, okay. Yeah, yeah okay, right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's look at the size of your kennel. Okay, um, we're getting fairly big at the moment. We've got about... Uh, 25, 26 racing dogs and with a couple of litters of puppies. And, um, yeah, well, with puppies, two-year-olds, and then we've got some 14-month-old ones. 
So we've got a few dogs here, plenty of work on. <laughs> yeah, plenty of work pretty on. Busy. Uh, and plenty, you're in partnership busy. with with Naomi. In partnership with Naomi. Yeah, part, still, yeah, still partnership with Naomi. Um, but she has a part time job too at the at the uh, gym. You know, just in case we have a couple of quiet weeks. You know, you know the thing with racing is no guarantees. Um, but we've right. survived yeah. 26 years, Ian. So uh, we're going all right. We're going all right. We've been in it 26 years now. So yeah. And we're still loving it. I heard a story, Ron, that um, it actually started uh, from a game of cards. That can't be true, can it? It was dead set true. I, um, I'd, I'd, what happened was I lived in Mount Albert in Auckland, and I used to, well, and I, I love my league, and I was, you know, always into my fitness, even as a kid. My old man reckoned if I didn't, you know, fit, you, you get nowhere. So I did a lot of road running, and I saw these greyhounds walking along. Mount Albert Road one day and I, I was intrigued by them, you know, because of their size, the legs and the bodies and that. And we had hunting dogs and um, I stopped and I talked to this Irishman, who's actually an Irishman, Danny O'Keefe, and I said, um, gee, they're, they're, they're nice dogs, what are they? And he said, they're racing dogs, greyhounds. So that was it. And I went home and told the old man and I said, you know, I just met this guy who's got greyhounds. And then I worked for the P&T back then, um, the old telephones, and um, I was in a card game, which I loved, loved the cards and the punt, and... Um, this chap, there was a three or four guys at our depot at St. Luke's that had greyhounds, and I didn't really know much about them, but um, I had a red-hot hand in poker, and this guy said, well, he had no money, and no one would lend him any more. He said, well, I'll put a greyhound pup in. And my mate sitting beside me, who was a greyhound trainer, he said, do it, take it, you know, let him do it, you know, let him put the dog, because I had four races. I couldn't lose. And um, so I ended up with this dog. I ended up with a greyhound puppy called, and she ended up racing, Kyle and Lass, and um, she won eight or nine races at Mount Smart. So that's how I got into it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly and, it. And then I was only 16, 17 then, and then league took over. And um, I ended up in England, and then playing at Barrow at uh, 19. In 1979, I ended up in Barrow, and I left the dog. It's a funny story. I left the dog with Dad's look after and it was only a six-month-on, six-month-off. I had to come back to New Zealand. And um, he'd given the dog away. <laughs> and he'd given the dog away. Her name was Queenie. So I tracked her down, and she had a missing toe in that. So that was all done. And then, obviously, League took over. And, um, yeah, so then after League finished, I, I turned to greyhound training. So, yeah. So it was an interesting story. But that's how I got, the, that's how I got into it. <laughs> Man, it's a it's a fascinating story. I, I must admit, and, and obviously you, you it, it lit the flame for you because you you've come back and been a very successful trainer. You got a good one on on uh, uh, Sunday actually. So you're heading north uh, with Honeyland Tree to Manukau. Yeah, no, we're heading up. I was fortunate to get her from the South Island. Um, She'd um, unfortunately had a little bit of a miss, go, go, gone a miss down there, and the owner was actually sending two dogs up to me anyway, and um, he said, I've got a nice older bitch there, Honey Lantry, and he said, I know, I knew the dog, she was very quick down there, so I think she ran a 1707 round Addington, which is really quick, you know, it's, that's top grade, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah, I'll have a crack at her. So I got her up here about October. The wife and her friend went down to Wanganui and met um, uh, Palmy and met Matt, Matt Roberts down there and picked her up. And um, sure enough, she had a tear at the tear on the back muscle. And I said to the owner, I said, "Well, I have a go with it because I still do a lot of road walking, and um, which it's good for myself as well." And um, 
So I just kept walking and walking, and the owner asked me how she's going, and I said, no, no, she's looking good, settled in well. And unfortunately, in her first trial back, it didn't look too good, it, um, which happens with those back muscles, and um, she sort of pulled up 10 metres before the winning post. It was only a hand slip, and I rang the owner straight away, and I said, we could be in a little trouble here, old honey was going good and then must have felt the thing and, you know, the muscle tissue and all that. And I said, um, I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, we'll give her two more weeks and then if, if, if she doesn't improve, we'll rehome her, you know, we'll put her into Gap and make sure she gets a nice home because she's a beautiful little dog. And um, put her out in the pen here and she was running around and first couple of days she was a bit scratchy like some sportsmen are after a hard run and, then I noticed the improvement, and then I <laughs> rang him back, and I said, hold the phone. I said, we might we might be in the game again with her, you know, because the, the <laughs> railway, in my mind, has always been a race I wanted to win. I've, I've been in it once and ran third and fifth. I got two in there a couple of years ago. It's, it is now a Group 1 race, so I've always wanted to win a Group 1. I've never had the real top 500-metre dog, but I've always had a few good sprinters, and I said to him, I said, we might have a... So anyway, that was a dream, and then... Um, I a couple more hand slips and I rang Mike, the owner, and I said, um, she's going good. We better have a go, you know, we'll nominate her. So um, two weeks ago she ran second, uh, three weeks ago she ran second, first up, and then she won last week. Now she's a real hope going into the heats, I believe, you know. She's an outsider, but I believe she's a hope because she's got box speed. She's got natural box speed, so, hey, you've got to be in to win. She's uh, box seven. Uh, how how will she box handle seven. box seven, Ronnie? No, yeah. no, she'll enjoy box seven. She um, The two runs she's had for us, what I've seen anyway, she won from the one the other day, but she liked to move off the rail. And um, she's uh, got good form from the eight. She's won one from the seven. Um, and she's got a nice dog inside her, number six, Allegro Rory, that loves to go hard left to the rail. So she should get a clear run to the first corners, which which she'll definitely need in that sort of race. But I believe she's right up to it. Excellent, mate. Uh, well, we'll uh, everyone's going to keep an eye out for that now, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. hope it's for the best shot, for you. Yeah. yeah. It's a long shot, hey, but hey, hey, mate, dreams are free. Dreams are free, you know. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> Make things happen. They always have, thing, you know. They are, and so are memories as well. Memories are, are free as well, Ronnie, and you'll have plenty of those uh, oh. from your league days, of course. And we're just uh, acknowledging this morning the uh, the very sad passing at the age of 52 of uh, Vainga Tuigamala, of course, and uh, he made the transition from rugby to rugby league very successfully. And, and it was only uh, uh, just weeks ago um, you know, the news came through about Olsen Philippiner, of course, the big O, and uh, you'd, oh. known him, you'd know of him very well. Oh, the big O, yeah, no. And to England is fun, very sad. Um, love watching them play rugby and league. Watched them play for Wigan, and I was a big fan. And I also watched him when he fought the fight for life, and he fought a very good friend of mine, Mark Bourneville. And, um, you know, that, that he did awesome. He was an awesome guy. But the big O, I can quickly tell you a quick story about the big O. A um, couple of things. In 83... I was sort of on the fringe of the Kiwis, but I had Olsen, James Lulawai, Fred Arcoy, um, Gary Prom, Mark Graham, because I played loose forward, standoff, or inside centre. So I had to wait for those guys, and those guys were red hot. You know, they were sort of like, um, you know, they were never going to be replaced for years because they were just like, they were there, they were in concrete. But Ollie, 
unfortunately, an 83 was playing for uh, North Sydney and um, he unfortunately broke his leg. And um, I'd played a club. Well, Graham Lowe had actually said to me, he said, I'm keeping an eye on you. And he said, because I'd been in England for a couple of years and he said, I'm keeping an eye on you. And he's, I said, oh, yeah, that'd be good. And um, when he rang that night, I'd been on the drink, you know, and after a game, we'd played a game and I'd had a few and the wife was trying to wake me up and was telling me Graham Lowe's ringing. And I, was, and I you know, I didn't wake up. Obviously, I was in a coma. And, um, you know, from the, <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the good night out... <laughs> but anyway, so when I woke up, she said, Graham Lowe rang. I said, you turn it up. I said, be one of me mad mates ringing me to have me on. And she said, no, no, his name's here. So I rang him and I said, I said, oh, Graham Lowe. And he said, speaking. And I thought, then I knew it was true. I said, and he said, congratulations. You've just made the first test to play Aussie on Sunday. He said, um, unfortunately, Ollie's broken his leg. And I said, oh, no. But I had played against Ollie a few times, you know, and, club level and I played with him at Auckland and um, with Auckland with the Auckland squad but you know credit to that guy because the, the morning of the match of the test he rang me and wished me all the best and all that so and we ended up buddies for life after that and I actually the funny thing about it Ian I ended up as captain because I I, I was a tour captain in 1986 to Papua New Guinea and Aussie and he was in the team so I ended up as captain but he, hey, he was such a great bloke he was just still you know, he was unbelievable. And I was so sad. He came out the Manukau Dogs last year, or the, you know, nearly two years ago. And because um, we had a legacy of league, and they were the, oh, well, you know, like 100 years of rugby league. And I, I was lucky enough to be selected as my City Newton one, and he was Mangry East one. And we caught up, and he said, Oh, are you racing tomorrow? I've been watching your dogs and from Sydney. And I said, Yeah. He said, I'll come out. And on race nine, he hadn't turned up. And um, I thought, all right, well, must be busy. And then he appeared. Olsen appeared with his partner, Leslie. And um, the crowd was, the people at the dogs were just buzzing. You know, there's Olsen Filipana. And um, we went upstairs and we had a yarn and that. And um, I, he said, I'm coming back. And he said, I want to share in a dog. I said, not a problem. So, uh, but I'll tell you a quick funny story about that. I said, you know, Ollie, he said, I said, I hated Mark and you, because, you know, like he was so round around, you know, and the hips and that, and he used to just bump you off, you know. I wasn't the biggest guy at that time, but... And he said, Ronnie, he said, I can tell you what, I hated Mark and you too. And I said, why is that? You know, like, I said, why is that? Why would you worry about marking me? He said, because some stage of the game, you knew you were going to get a biff. Because <laughs> I could throw one, and I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was, and the crowd, the crowd around the table just cracked up. You know, they just all started laughing, and what a what an afternoon we had with him. It was really special, you know, and oh. people getting photos with him and that. And um, he was just a great guy and a great player, as we all know, and very sadly missed. Uh, Ronnie, I, when I re- look at uh, and remember the name Ronnie Regan, and I've got a good memory about these things, mate. I. I absolutely remember your Auckland days when uh, representative league was so strong in this country and those magnificent days on Carlaw Park, etc., which really did, I I think that was something that's gone out of league in this country. It was so good. It has gone out of league, Ian. Um, You know, I go back to the odd club game out to Yeratu and that where I was very successful out there and... um, the passion doesn't seem to be like it was back then in those days. You know, um, I'm not saying the game's not as good as, you know, the professional game's awesome, but, I mean, 
the league we had back then. Well, I can tell you a quick quick story because that Auckland team we played in, we were unbeaten on New Zealand soil for five years. You know, like we we drew with Aussie, we drew with the Palms. You know, they never beat us. And um, but in 1987, Ian Dodds, his father, was the soccer man. He was the one that was in charge of the soccer. Dodds. Anyway, yep. they under yep. it out. They took us on a tour, right? They took us on a tour in '87 to England, and we played seven or eight first division teams. And anyway, and Lowy was coaching Wigan. Graham Lowe was over there coaching Wigan. And um, not long before our tour, they'd played Manly for the World Championship. You know how they have that World Championship game? You know, like they had yep. the best Sydney Excellent. team and then, the, oh, the you know, Australian team or Sydney team and at the time and then yep. the best Tommy team. So Wigan beat Manly. So we're on this tour and it was a tough tour because, you know, like, but we had Gary Freeman, Mark Oro, Dean Lonergan. We had a red hot side ourselves. And anyway, we pl- we won a, we won a, we won more than we lost. I think or it was about fifty fifty. But we played St Helens on the week before we were to play Wigan, and um, Bob Bailey was our coach, another good motivator like Lowy, great mentors, and um, so. St Helens absolutely flogged us about forty points, and we were pretty dejected. And then. Lowy was there watching the game, yeah, obviously, because we were playing on the week after. He said, oh, he said, guys, he said, don't worry about that. Keep your heads up. Come over to our, our club on Tuesday. We'll have dinner. We'll have a few drinks and, you know, be good. You know, pick yourselves up, you know. <laughs> well, they had O'Fire. They had Ellery Hanley. They had, they had the team, Andy, Andy Goodway, Joey Lydon, Red Hot team. And anyway, um, so we get there on the Tuesday about 6, 7 o'clock for dinner and a few beers and... They don't turn up. Wigan don't turn up. See, Lowy doesn't turn up. They don't turn up. So Bob Bailey being the shrewd, you know, the guy he was, because he was a good coach too, Bob Bailey, and um, great coach. And anyway, we got on the bus and he just shut the door and he said, from this day on, boys, they will not be beating us, right? So we're looking at each other going, but we're playing Wigan at Wigan. And, um, you know, like, okay, well, let's have a go. We actually beat them in. We won it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was unbelievable, you know. It was, you know, like, and and you know yourself from sport. If you got the belief and the will, you can do anything, eh? Yeah, you can do anything. You know, and you can do anything. You can mate. do anything. Yeah. I've se- I've seen. like well, that eighties. We in eighty three, we beat Australia at Lang Park, and there was no way we could beat them. They had the King Wally, they had Mel, they had the whole crew there, and we beat them. You know, and great so, days, Ron. Great days, mate. I just love talking about them. I'm just, you know, just you know, sharing a few stories. No, Ronnie, I'll tell you what. This has been an engaging uh, twenty minutes for me. I, I love. Uh, I, I watched you play uh, when I was growing up as a kid. I loved that era of league. I promise you, I did, and it was fantastic. Beautiful. And, I, I I agree we, uh, we're we missing a wee bit of it now, but the, the professional game is pretty cool. There's no doubt about it. But oh, you guys set that cool, up, yeah. and you should. You, you, yeah, you set that up with your standards, yeah, and you should never forget that. And, and the thing about it, but people, you know, this modern-day followers of rugby league probably don't know, but we used to go over there in the late 70s and early 80s and play in the Amco Cup. Um, like, that was a midweek competition in Australia. Like, um, you know, and you go over there, Auckland used to fly over there every second Wednesday and play, you know, and it was a knockout sort of competition, but at Leichhardt Oval. So we... 
that was good too because we were competitive, but we we never won a, a um, an AMCO Cup or anything. But we were very competitive, and that that helped get to the professional stage as well. Fascinating, Ron. Oh, I could talk to you for for, for bloody hours. Actually, I, I just love uh, your generation and what you did for sport in this country. So, hey, mate, uh, all the best. First of all, all the best with uh, Honey Lantry. That's race three, box seven at Monaco on Sunday. I'd love to catch out with the some stage and ha- have a a chin wag over a pint, mate, that would be even more special. So thanks for your time this morning. I've loved the chat. No worries, Ian. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, cheers. Ron O'Regan there, folks. Uh, legendary name uh, in rugby league uh, and also in the Greyhounds as well. And uh, we wish him all the best with uh, his dog. And the big race, actually, uh, to win the railway is to win $30,000. It's uh, if you win the final. So <coughs> that's uh, all important. The race uh, on Sunday is with. 3,600 and by dog standards, that's pretty important. And at 11.21 here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, we've had some uh, terrific guests this morning, reflective guests as well, and uh, you've obviously enjoyed them as well. Dennis has said, uh, really enjoyed that talk with uh, Foxy. Thanks, mate. Yeah, his reflections on uh, Vainga Tui Gamala, Inga the Winger. Uh, and also, uh, Richard said, uh, awesome yarn with uh, Ronnie O'Regan. Uh, and Dave's come in and said, Ronnie was brilliant. Uh, great era in league. Uh, he also says the Canes with uh, a point start of 8.5 uh, for Dave. His uh, big worry is the Joe Smith factor. Well, we'll see if he's got an early in- influence with it or whether he's just holding back, uh, keeping his power to dry and just watching how things uh, pan out a wee bit. You can uh, bet your bottom dollar, though. He won't be far away, Joe Smith. They've got him in there. They've got them in for a reason, and uh, they've done an extremely successful thing in doing that, and that's before they've even kicked off. Uh, morning team, very saddened to hear the news about one of the great singer-the-winger, probably the star of the big buses, or the start of the big buses. Yeah, he was. Uh, Inga, Lomu, Sevilla, and possibly Caleb Clark now. Uh, puts a different light on things uh, with what's going on in the world, COVID and the Ukraine, etc. R.I.P. Inga, and thank you very much for the memories. That's from Kerry. Uh, bloody sad with Inga passing. I was in Britain mid nineties, and Inga was uh, on a question of sport uh, with Frankie Dettori, the jockey. Man, there's a difference in shapes. Uh, Frankie asked him what the haka meant, and Inga pointed to his arm and said, "If I don't get you with this one, I'll get you with the other one." So, <laughs> simple as that. So, that would have summed it up pretty quickly. I wonder how the, the little Italian would have taken that. Uh, uh, Jeff the ref, bloody sad losing Inga the winger. I'm a skinny white boy at 70 kgs, but who is never going to play for the All Blacks, but I'm 60 and still refereeing, which keeps me fit and healthy. Why are we losing so many big Pacific legends so young? Very interesting point. Um, and uh, I'd imagine there's studies uh, about that kind of thing uh, going on, but certainly uh, it is sad. It is sad, Jeff. Very, very sad indeed. I can uh, give you a cricket update. Uh, remembering South Africa have won the toss, and surprisingly to most... I should say most, have decided to bat first. Well, they've got through 7.2 overs to this point. Uh, Elgar is on 7, Irwi is on 5, so they are with, uh, 12 without loss. And uh, Saudi has bowled 4 overs unsuccessfully in terms of the wickets. Matt Henry, 3.2 overs, none for 7. So from South Africa's point of view, at least they're sticking out there and they're perhaps leaving the ball a good deal better than they did uh, in the first test match, uh, making New Zealand come to them. That's the way. And when they bowl uh, just outside off stump, you can trust the bounce and leave it. Uh, when they come closer to your body to commit you to play, 
that opens up the onside, the leg side for you, and you can score off your hip in those other regions. So uh, that's uh, very. Uh, that was a strategy we, uh, New Zealand uh, finally employed against uh, Glenn McGrath when they got round to uh, really thinking about how to, how to compensate him, take the slips in the gully, keep it out of play uh, by leaving the ball on the bounce, and then uh, it comes closer into your body. And because he's got all those players on the offside, behind the wicket and in front, plenty of space on the onside, and that's where you use your ability to play off your body. So uh, that was just a little bit of coaching there, just to get us through to 11.30. Uh, and it's time, of course, for Stump Smithy. Uh, so get on the line, 0800 150 811. Thumbs up. I think it's 100 bucks today, isn't it, Jordan? 100 bucks. Yes, it is. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Logan. I don't know where I got Jordan from, Logan. Uh, yeah, Logan. And I think it's 100 bucks. Yes, it is. Logan's going to be the thumb up. Uh, so 0800 150 811. Uh, yep, 100 bucks. And the sleep drops coming up shortly. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. He sure is, and it is that time of the morning that's stumped by Smithy. Uh, you can win $100 worth of TAB vouchers this time around. It had jackpotted. Uh, Smithy stumped on the last ball, which JD took in great delight on his last day here at SCNZ. Uh, you can also win some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Uh, on the line, we have Luke from Dunedin. How you going, mate? Good morning. Uh, have you done Stump by Smithy before? Oh, a while ago. Didn't know good. <laughs> well, we'll see how you go this time. Of course, we have three sporting categories. Uh, one is very special. We've brought in a special Ing of the Winger category. We also have boxing and golf. Which one takes your fancy? Oh, we've got to go with Inger. Awesome. All right, mate. Good, good luck idea. to you. Here we go. Well, today we are paying our respects to the great Inga the Winger. He was an absolute monster in rugby union, but also rugby league. Which UK side did he call home? Wigan. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That's right, Wigan. Oh, mate, you're after a great start here, Smithy. No doubt you would have had that one too. Yeah, under control with Wigan. Uh, a lot of games for Wigan. Uh, fantastic and his relationship there with the Wigan players. As has been uh, witnessed with some of the messages that have come through, they were the first to comment Wigan. Uh, so yeah, obviously very highly thought of over there. Yeah, they have. I'd love to share some of those uh, later on the show. Some very nice thoughts there coming from uh, Wigan. Uh, question number two here for you, Luke. Who is Inga's famous boxing cousin? David Tua. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Beautiful, no doubt. You had that one too, Smithy. Yep, no problem. <laughs> All right, this is the one for you, Luke. You could win $100 TAB vouchers plus the sleep drops. Uh, this one may be a little bit trickier, uh, keeping you on your toes here. As of the 23rd of October 2021, there have been 1,199 players to wear the All Blacks jersey. What number was Inger when he made his debut in 1989? Oh my god. 900? Whoa! Oh my what? god. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> How? You're oh my god. Me. You had that just in the back of your mind. Outstanding, Luke. Well done. Hold the line there, mate. Uh, and Brian will get you details. Thanks, 
Yeah, great work, Luke. Uh, I was done. Yeah, done for all money there. You had me. So uh, enjoy the 100 bucks. Yeah. Enjoy the sleep drops. Uh, and turn that money into plenty, mate. Well done. Congratulations. Great answers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers guys. Uh, so, Luke, yeah, and Brian will pick up the details there. Man, uh, two of those questions I thought were very uh, quite simple, which is a little <laughs> bit harsher than, a little bit easier some of than John Day's ones, but they're good. And the last one you came in with, uh, I mean, you either knew it or you didn't, eh? I mean, you, you could... You could probably Google it, but you'd have to be damn quick to do it. Um, 900. All black number 900. How symbolic is that as well? Yeah, to uh, be 1136. fair. 11.36. Yeah, yeah, 11.36. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah to be, be fair, Smithy, fair. that's why I picked that one, because uh, I thought 900, that, that, one, that is one, if you're an Inga fan, that might stick out for you. So massive props to Luke there. Yeah, well done, man. Uh, 11.36 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be talking harness racing with the guru, Mick Guerin. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.41 and just before we get to Mick Guerin, uh, I've got to give these guys a shout out because they've asked me to, but uh, Hamilton Marist Rugby Club, and this is not a shameless plug because the Hamilton uh, Marist Rugby Club have got an event on today, it's a beauty. The rugby uh, are playing the cricket in a T20 match, it's on at the Marist Rugby Club, Old Farm Road. Uh, first arm rolled over at 5pm, so she's a twilight of fear, folks. The sun's out, the guns are out, the bar's open. Great to see both sports working together to build a great club culture. Excuse me as I cough there. Mick Guerin, good morning to you, sir. Um, welcome into the show. Very busy weekend morning, you've sir. got. Four yeah, meetings that I can count up. Yeah, yeah four. Ashburton, uh, Alexandra Park, Invercargill, and Waikoiti as well. Beautiful. Mate, looking, looking forward to it, Smithy, and it'll be on the tools tomorrow morning with Luke Radich as our guest on the mail run, because our good friend Louis still on holiday. So, yeah, we've got gallops, harness, lots of things going on, and tomorrow night there's actually a huge meeting at Menangle. But, Smithy, the key feature of the weekend is the fact tonight at Alexandra Park, in race eight, we see the return of South Coast Arden, and then tomorrow we see the return of Spankham. Now, both horses are absolute top class. They've both won the New Zealand three for all before and are expected to be in the new slot race at Cambridge, the race, for $900,000 on April the 14th. But they're going to start needing to race and get fit and start winning. Tonight for South Coast Arden, it's tricky. He's off a 20-metre handicap over 2,200 metres. It may not sound like a lot, but his rivals will know he's back there. They'll step and they'll run hard, Smithy. Tomorrow... Spankham's in a different situation. He's in a mobile mile, but he's likely to go back at the start and not use his gate speed because it's his first run for the campaign. Trainer Mark Purden very open in the media this week and saying, look, we're not sure he's ready to win. He's close enough, but we're not sure, so we're not going to drive him as we usually do at the front end of the field. Tricky time of the year to bet Smithy when these horses are coming back and they've got bigger goals, but... Um, they're still so good they're going to be favourites. So, yeah, interesting the South Coast Arden tonight. The start will be crucial. We'll spank him tomorrow uh, on rating him a no-bet horse. So, Mick, I'm very fascinated about uh, this event called the race on April the 14th. Uh, how many horses will eventually be in that field? Uh, how many are in so far, do we know? Um, there's 10 horses will start, Smithy, 10 slot holders, including, of course, um, this radio station, SCNZ, supporting New Zealand Racing again. They have a slot, and they have secured in their slot 
the hot favourite, self-assured, so very smart manoeuvring by then. There'll be two, uh, ten horses in the race, two already there, self-assured and Pembroke Playboy, who I think can win that race tomorrow at Ashburton, the Spankham race. But I do think that South Coast Arden and Spankham are both certain to get in because their connections, their owners, their group of owners, have purchased slots in that $900,000 race. I think there'll be a signing this weekend, which will be released on Tuesday. A very high-profile New Zealand horse will be signed by an overseas major company. And then the horse trading, excludes the pun, will start some of these. People offering people their slots, people saying, do you want to come to the race? How much of percentage of the money do we get each? Very, very technical stuff. I would say some of the five slots are gone. There's two Australian yeah. horses who are potential or even likely to come. So maybe there's three or four more spots, and I would say about eight or ten horses who want them. So what's the stake, Mick? What's it worth to win? 900,000 is the overall stake. Um, the winning stake is actually 440 grand, and it's going to raise to a million next year. And then the year after, it's going to be 1.1 million. So it's been a huge, huge thing for harness racing. And some people would say, well, the money's not coming out of harness racing coffers. Smithy, you or the people listening to this show, or even me, aren't going to care where the money comes from. The fact that it's a slot holders race and that money is put forward by big business is largely no different really to the Magic Millions or even the Karaka Millions. Those races are technically paid for by everybody who buys a horse and then the money just goes back to the people who win. This time, there's just yeah. fewer people who have paid for the slots, and uh, I think it's a great concept. It's listen up this weekend because we're talking about it already. Uh, it is, and, and uh, just uh, getting back to the stake, which means uh, it looks like you're going to pay a long way down uh, in that. Uh, yeah, you do. You pay, you pay a slot costs $75,000, but even if you finish last, that horse gets 37500 back. So no one can lose too much money. And, and commercially, it's probably um, tax deductible as a marketing expense for most of the businesses involved. But more importantly, it just gives us a centerpiece to, to the autumn, it gives us a reason to, you know, something to aim at. I mean, all major sports, racing, whatever, need those things to aim at. Otherwise, it's just a meandering series of events. So I think it's really cool. That's actually, actually the centrepiece of a $1.5 million autumn carnival with the Auckland Cup and the Messenger and the Taylor Miles Smithy. So harness racing's been through some tough times. Um, they've had, yeah. they, like all of us have with COVID, but they've also lost some market share because the gallops is becoming so big. But this is what they need to reinvigorate the industry. Uh, and I think well done to David Branch and his team at Cambridge. It may not be a mega event this year because of the red light settings. We know that. There'll still be people on track and pods, but it'll grow, Smithy. It'll be a very, very big deal next year and the year after. Well, Mick, uh, you've got uh, a busy weekend uh, following the harness, but of course the gallops as well. So tell us what uh, you're up to this weekend in terms of what we can hear here on SENZ, please. At 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, the mail run, myself and as mentioned, Luke Radich will be our guest. We've got, here's one for you, Smithy, you'll love this. We have our owner of the week segment where we talk to an owner of a racehorse. Tomorrow morning, it's Marty Banks, Hollander's first five, who owns Bowden Well with James James Marshall and, <laughs> and Bowden Barrett. So they own a horse together who's racing tomorrow at Mother Mother. So Marty Banks, who's had a fascinating life, like me, he's a West Coast boy. He obviously has won a super rugby title. He's played rugby in Japan, and he loves his horses. So he's coming on at 9 o'clock to talk to us about that. We're going to talk to a few of the vendors at the sales 
The sales at Caraca are on and starting in uh, 10 days' time. We're going to talk to them about what it's like preparing horses for the sale, what the challenges have been like under COVID. We're also going to talk to um, to Jamie Richards, of course. He's got a huge team tomorrow. Alan Sharrick, Matt Cameron. We're going to talk to some of the people to try and find you a winner. And then at 12 o'clock on Sunday, Greg O'Connor and I wrap up the Harness Racing Weekend. Talk to some drivers. Try and find you some winners. Talk about the race where everything else is going, where the pieces are on the chessboard. That's noon on Sunday. But join us tomorrow morning, Smithy, at 8 o'clock for the mail run. As I said, it should be a bit of fun talking to Marty Banks about rugby, racing, and probably not beer. No, probably not beer, but uh, I would imagine uh, it'd be good to have a chat to over a beer. Mark, hey, when you're talking to Alan Sharrock, he had a winner um, yesterday, a horse by the name Just Fix It, Would You? Just Fix It, Would You? See if you can get out, uh, get it out of him why he named that horse that way. Just fix I it, would you? I um, already know the answer to that, Smithy. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to getting it out of him tomorrow because, as you know, when you talk to Alan Sherrick, one thing you always get is blunt honesty. That'll be on the mail run tomorrow. He'll be on about 8.40 in the morning. Taranaki Truth. Good on you, Mick. Uh, look forward to all your good work over the weekend. Have a great time. Thanks, Smithy. Same to you, brother. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Mick, you're in there. Uh, always enjoy talking to Mick uh, on a Friday. Uh, as he previews everything that's coming up racing-wise in both codes and busy, as he said, over the weekend. Uh, it is 11.50 uh, at the moment. Uh, can we give you a quick score update? Uh, last I heard, uh, they were 18 without loss. Uh, South Africa, so they're, they're getting through and they're, they're getting through the first half hour. If they can, uh, <coughs> coming up to drinks, actually, if they can get through to drinks, uh, that would be absolutely outstanding and it would vindicate the decision to bat first. Uh, if you win the toss and bat first, you really don't want to be more than one down at lunch. And at the moment, after 12.3 overs, they are 19 without loss. It's <coughs> okay. So they're setting a base, setting a platform, uh, and doing a good deal better than they did in the last test match already. Uh, we'll be back shortly and catch up with Staffy before midday.